point as the Wheel of Time turns, where we unravel the weavings of Amazon's Wheel of Time, we are doing a review pod of the third episode of Amazon Prime's Wheel of Time TV series. I am BJ. I am Nibelis. I am joined by some of my chosen cohorts. Um, let's start with Lee. How are you doing? Hey, doing well. Happy to be here. Uh, Sarah? Also doing well. Um, excited to talk about this episode. Um, and since this is an audio format, you can't see that Sarah is wearing a lovely getup, very much looking like a tinker. And we are finally joined by Bree. Hi. Who is also looking lovely with a very Nynaeve-esque braid and um, some uh, Two Rivers clothing, we would say? Yes. Okay. Very much yeah. a shawl and, you know, has the whole dress going. All, all sorts of things. I was going to dress really like Matt, but it was a little cold. <laughs> a little cold, needed a new job. A little chilly. Yeah. Didn't, didn't have the uh, fur-lined leather coat that you really wanted. And, you know, we'll just uh, figure out what we're going to do. Um, so we have some segments that we go through. Um, we uh, first are going to start off with a recap that is uh, done by Lee. Then we have Tavern Ooh. of the Week that is hosted by Bray. She is the uh, decider on that one. Then we're doing Gleeman's Corner where we uh, look at dialogue and scenes that were our favorite of the week. And then lastly, we uh, throw it back to Lee uh, with novices notes and Dragon Power Rankings. Uh, since we don't know who the Dragon Reborn is. Who is time. the Dragon Reborn? Um, before we get, um, or the King of the North, or any of those other things, if you listen to our other pods, Lee, I hear we have uh, other content that they can check out. That's right. Uh, it's the Mangum Talks podcast. We have a number of podcasts we do. A lot of TV review podcasts. We have a couple general interest podcasts. So just go to your favorite podcast platform. Probably the one you're listening to now. Type in Mangum Talks. That's M-A-N-G-U-M Talks. You can also go to mangumtalks.com. Good times. Are we ready for the recap? I think we are. Woo! All right, let's do the recap. It's Wheel of Time, Episode 3, A Place of Safety. Which is like, stands in contrast to the last episode, right? They literally went to yeah. like one of the unsafest places in this known world. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, that we know of. Right. But so, Well, yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> yep. One thing I like to note is what they include on their recap of the previous episode. I always think that's yeah. really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in their recap of the previous episode, there's a huge emphasis on the dragon. This concept, the lore of the dragon. They really want you to know this idea of there's the dragon reborn, here's the backstory. I get the sense that that's like absolutely imperative that people understand that because um, they're not going to understand the motivations of the characters or what people are doing without it. So they really had a heavy emphasis on this idea of the dragon reborn and the one power. Also, Moraine's injury and the fact that she's getting weak. They, they sort of ended the recap with that. Mm-hmm. So then we jump to the episode. We start with a flashback of Nynaeve getting taken by one of the Trollocs. So this is a flashback, obviously. Mm-hmm. She's unconscious and gets dropped. This is a strange fucking scene. These Trollocs, man. Uh, I, I don't know <laughs> if you get more information about them in the books, but they are weird. Because So what happens is the Trolloc that brings Nynaeve in, totally fine Trolloc. I would say 100% Trolloc. Yep. <laughs> Then we have the other one seems in the 60% range, seems very injured, this Trolloc. And yep. it's like up against a wall, hurting. Yes. And the other, the, the, the Trolloc that had Nynaeve seems to walk over like, I'm thinking he's going to help him. And instead disembowels him and starts eating him right there. So a couple things we pick up about the Trollocs. One is do not mind killing each other. Uh, not a healer, I guess. And then two is they're cannibals. They will eat each other. Yeah, uh, a lot of like blood in the water, shark turning on each other, stuff mm. like that. That's pretty yeah. classic Trolloc. Battles are hard. Need a snack. 
Okay. Got to keep gotta, up gotta, the energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And no time for the week, apparently, in the no, Charlotte Army. No, no. And apparently people to spare. Like, if I was one of these eyeless, I'd be a little concerned. I'd be like, how about y'all don't <laughs> kill each other? Y'all are like my army. Uh, a little concerning. But then we see uh, Nynaeve. She wakes up. She takes off. Starts running. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to note about when she's running that I thought was very smart. I don't know if she meant to do this or not. When she's going down a very steep hill, she rolls. I'm just going to say for anybody out there getting chased, just a little general uh, mm-hmm. feedback. If you're getting chased and you're going down a steep hill, try the roll. I mean, you you save some energy and she seemed to speed up a little bit. Yeah. I do think she actually hit a rock and did a trip. But well, there you go. The, it, it was okay for fortuitous, yeah. I would say. But I think yeah. it was. I think it's a good move, right? She seemed to save a little energy. She eventually gets to a cave. This, I think, is the same cave we saw before. Yep. Yeah, that cool. Yeah, that Moraine... Uh, came and talked to her in and she gets into the water and the way she gets into the water she's able to sort of hide a little bit from the Trollocs but she's not mm-hmm. completely like invisible right it just mm-hmm. depends on the angle the Trollocs at to if he's going to see her or not and Trolloc starts looking around I guess he can sense or smell or just guesses that she's in the pool so he gets down in the pool so this is more evidence that the problem that Trollocs have is with deep water not water itself mm-hmm. they can get in water they just can't swim Yeah. so he gets in there and he starts jamming around like he's you know gouging for trout or something he's just <laughs> banging back and forth and uh our girl Nynaeve really cool scene head mm-hmm. kind of slowly comes up through the water you see her hair and she's to the back of the truck thank goodness and then she disarms the truck takes the takes the knife dagger kills him right there in the pool and we see the the blood run in the pool which i thought was pretty cool we see her get out of the water flips her hair back Woo! <laughs> badass music and then we're done with the cold opening. Yes. So uh, one question and then one comment. The question is, how do you feel about Nynaeve's running? Because we already had, you know, Perrin was, was an awkward runner. Is Nynaeve a good runner? Or, or <laughs> you know, how's the form here? Yeah, th- very good point. So Perrin, later in this episode, keeps his hand down when he walks fast. He does this with this character. <laughs> yeah. hand keeps down. But the question is about Nynaeve. Uh, I think she's a good sprinter. I okay. would not use that form for long distance running. A lot of wasted movement in the upper body. Yeah. Yeah, that's my um, take. So the comment is, I don't know if you noticed that there was a pattern to the blood in the pool. Um, and this is a repeated... Is routine. it the dragon tooth thing? Yeah. Sure it is. It's the, the dragon's fang. So it's the other... So it made the, the symbol of the Sedai. So on one side is sort of the flame. It's a yin-yang. And so the blood formed the uh, dragon's Now, Brie, you, you knew to look for that, presumably, right? Cause you yeah. Knew, I mean, but did you notice it on the first viewing? Yes. Okay, did you? No. Okay, I didn't either. All right, so, but it's now something I'll look for, for sure. Because yeah. I know, the, I know the, the shape now, and all of a you know, casual viewers should know it too, because they really focused in on that the livestock, the deer yes. that were killed, yep. that we saw that the Trollocs had clearly done. Yeah. And that, that is the shape BJ's talking about. So yeah. what that is, look for that, I guess. Yeah, so it's a yin-yang shape. Sometimes they'll have only one side. Sometimes they'll have only the other. Um, and the books, and it, it's... Uh, the flame side, the white side with the tip pointing up is sort of a little bit more uh, associated with Aes Sedai, also associated with good, as opposed to the black side, the dark side associated with the dragon, associated with evil. Um, And we do get a little bit of this, that since the dragon broke the world, he's sort of considered evil. Um, And then we're getting a little bit of the dichotomy of not so much evil as opposing the dark one and sometimes bad things happen right and i think that if you from what we can tell in these first three episodes the general population is quite confused about who's good and who's bad in this deal yeah we get, which we get, seems reasonable get a lot more yeah. of that yeah. later on 
But this is high fantasy, so symbols are very important. So I would say look for that going forward. One of the things I like to do in all my review podcasts that have a cold opening is to time the cold opening. So this started at about 1.40, went to 5. So the cold opening here is about 3 minutes and 20 seconds that we got. It I'm felt about, long. Yeah, 3 it minutes and 20 long. seconds is pretty long for a cold opening for a show. I'm going to continue to track that to just kind of see how that goes. There was, so, oh, go ahead, no, go for it. I was just going to say, there was one thing that I wanted to highlight about this cold opening that I really, really liked that they did. We have seen a lot of Trollocs in the first two episodes, but it has frequently been kind of en masse or in the dark and in, like, um, frenzied situations. But um, what this cold opening allowed for when they got into the pool, um, into the sacred pool area, was you had a more lit Trolloc individual not moving around so much so you actually got like a real sense of what these guys are what they look like yeah. what they look like how big they are specifically and individually that felt purposeful to me because we've gotten like just kind of big yeah groups of them before. so one of the things that i Agreed. wanted to point out there is i don't know if you noticed but the trollic has blue eyes and they're mm. very human looking I did not notice that. And I think they on purpose used someone that had blue eyes for that Mm -hmm. because that's something that is supposed to be a feature of Trollocs that they have features from different species, Mm -hmm. including humans. And that's a very human feature. Right. Yeah. Um, So that was really cool. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is that Nynaeve, when she comes out of the water, um, it it reminded me of like Jurassic Park, like the like a dinosaur raising you know yeah, from the absolutely. water. Yeah, and I was like, oh, she's a hunter. I had very like Medusa vibes. From yeah, her there, there you too, go. Because she has the multiple braids uh-huh. too. At some point, at some points, and like yeah. Well, they were obviously very. going for sort of like she's a badass thing because mm-hmm. she does the the braid flip and then she gets the powerful music in the background. Yeah, right. Of it, right. Yeah. So, quick question. You, did you time the other two episodes? Do you remember about well, they, they were? the first one? There, there was no right. There was, yeah, there was, there was yeah. nothing, and I think this was longer than the first one. I think the first one was in the two minute and 20, 30 second range, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we cut back to the show. Cut back to Nynaeve with a blade over Land's throat. I said at the end of the last episode, I didn't think this was a bright move from Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, this bears out. She <laughs> asks where her friends are, and Land says, "How did you find me?" She asked uh, what he did to them. Land, quote, you think you know this world. You know nothing. The Dark One is coming for your friends, and Moraine has fought its forces with everything she has. So, I mean, he's he will fight for Moraine, and if he's got to do a little PR battle, we'll do that too. <laughs> Nynaeve asks if she cares about the kids so much. Uh, Nynaeve asks if, if she, Moraine, cares about the kids so much, why did she leave them? Land says, she didn't. I did. If you can't notice, completely unconscious. Vegetative state right here. She's not uh, going anywhere on her own power. Nynaeve doesn't seem to know what to do with that. Land says, she can't move, let alone find them in her condition. You, Nynaeve, are a healer. She's like, you think I'm going to help her? He said, you will if you want to find your friends. Land then walks directly to the dagger and presses it against his throat. See this a lot in media. Never seen a person do it in real life, though, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, open blade, just walk up to it and let it like hit the chest and keeps kind of daring the person to do something. Uh, then we have this quote, we both know that you won't do it. This really seems to piss Nynaeve off. So 100%. she does. She lunges. like mm-hmm. she, she takes a swipe at him. And, of course, Land completely flips her around. No problem. Says, you tried to kill me. Disarms her. Clocks her in the back of the head. It's good night, Nynaeve. I'll say this. Here's my... Here's my. Well, actually, you have, a, you have something. She bit him. Yeah, she bit him. Yeah, so it was, it was more than, like, she, he immediately clocks her. Because it's, 
she's still struggling after like he's disarmed her mm-hmm. and like has her in a headlock and it's just like all right well if you're gonna keep biting yeah no, there's this specific moment where he loses patience and yeah. just like this yeah. is we i'm done with this interaction i think we need to be like i i always think i need to be careful about this like i'm not trying to like infantilize the woman in this situation right but mm-hmm. there was vibes of like little kids settle down and i think that's not necessarily because of naive because we've seen that she can hold her own yeah it's to show how powerful lan is right like yes. when he put when she put the blade to his throat i am fairly certain from what i've seen on screen that he could have disarmed her then but he does not view her as an enemy he views her as a very confused ally and so here's my question to the group. Like, would it have just been better for Nynaeve to just say, hey, Lan, uh, Lan, uh, Nynaeve over here, sorry, just didn't want to scare you. Um, hey, I'm alive. Uh, you know where my friends are? Do, Sarah, what do you think would have got, what, how, how do you think Lan would have reacted to that? Would it have been better than whatever horseshit she concocted in this situation? I mean, I, yes, I think that the answer to that has to be yes, because this did not end end well for her. And as we have talked about, it was never going to end well for her. However, I don't think that we have any evidence that Nynaeve as a character has that gear of let's sit down and talk about this in a reasonable way. I mean, she screamed a goddamn trollic, so. Yeah, I think I called it like unbridled or unreserved anger like last episode. So it's just constant, just rage. Yeah. Uh, So... I will say that there are things in the books where her abilities are impressive to Lan and other people, and especially like it's about to get and, yeah. yeah, and so they yeah. have the, you know some of this conversation a little bit later, um, and so I think that they wanted to keep that through line uh, cool. in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a it's a key scene in the books. It doesn't play out exactly like this, but the fact that Nynaeve shows up and she essentially surprises Lan mm-hmm. is a huge deal in the books. And so keeping that in, I think, is is key. Yeah, I agree. I think that the for, for Lan, he's not used to being tracked. And so no, the fact that she right tracked there, him yeah. was immediately impressive to him, and that right. was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know that he, she necessarily, even to get that, surprise and reaction i don't know that she necessarily had to go hold a knife to his right. throat but also it. this is this is a hundred percent naive like yes to be like all right what can i do immediate aggression yes yeah, yeah. i don't trust you i don't like you you have I'm something gonna go i want Picasso. yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we cut so in other podcasts that i do on the magnet talks podcast network uh i do review shows with my co-host spencer who's not on this podcast Spencer likes to teach me internet phrases because I'm not on the internet all day like Spencer. I just like, I got a life and stuff. And he taught me the phrase shipping. This means you relationship someone by like willing it into existence through the internet and Reddit. I'm shipping a Gween and Perrin. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. That's you're, it. You're shipping them. I'm shipping them. Absolutely. You like this pair. I like it. Absolutely. I like it way better than a Gween and Rand. Sick of that already. Two episodes in, tired <laughs> of those done. two. Can, I, think I, these can two, I ask a clarifying yeah. question? What? Are you really shipping um, Egwene and Perrin, or are you just shipping Egwene with anyone other than Rand? No, I mean, well, there's there's a little bit of both, right? Because I'm, I'm obviously sick of Egwene and Rand. Okay. I think we all should be. I think this should be <laughs> something that we can all agree on. Mm-hmm. But... I, there's some like really kind, yes, good wholesome scenes between these two, which yes. we're about to get into. So, are you clarifying, Sarah, that if Egwene was in the woods with Matt, mm-hmm. 
would you be down with this? Probably not. I mean, I, I would if there was a hint of it, I, I would probably mm-hmm. root for it. I'm not quite sure I would lead with, I'm shipping these two the way I'm doing Fair. my parent. Okay. Fair like, enough. I just okay. think that there's some vibes here. Parent there's some serious quickly, vibes. You know, just, you know, get get through the stages of grief. You know, when you split, you've had, you've had an episode. This now. happens all the time. People lose a spouse and start dating quickly right afterwards. All right. All Shout right. out. Yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. Rebound, girl. Yeah, they, well, you know, I don't want to diminish what they have. Uh, <laughs> and then they see, well, so they seem to see him be in some sort of like plane or like frozen. I don't. It's not really a tundra, but people would maybe call it like a frozen yeah. tundra. Type a lot of thing. wind it's coming through. Yeah. yeah, it's very cold, and they hear the wolves. If you didn't listen to the last episode, I debuted a theory that the wolves are not bad. They might be. That's just my theory. They're not bad. Aguin is concerned that the wolves are following them. They come upon some brush that they can hide behind, and Matt, or not Matt Perrin, uh, absolutely trying to light that fire just got a stone <laughs> and a knife and he is going so hard he's literally cutting himself trying to get this thing lit because i guess multiple reasons right one they're fucking cold but two they're trying to scare off the wolves i guess mm-hmm. um green trooper that she is little hand magic whoop, whoop, starts the fire uh he finally looks at her and he's like was that me or you uh, if you wouldn't mind channeling us some food or water so i like this i like the line because he acknowledges that it was her but he doesn't seem like offended by it. He's like, mm-hmm. he like, like makes a joke about it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it does seem like the fire is helping them in their spirits, though. Perrin asks her if she thinks the others are all right. And the queen says she doesn't know. But she knows where Rand will go. He'll go home. Perrin's like, mm, eh, eh, they can't go home, first off. Uh, but they won't go home either. And the queen, how do you know that? And Perrin goes, well, because I know Rand. And he'll go where he thinks you're going. And this seems to lift the spirits of the queen a little mm-hmm. bit. Perrin tells her he'll keep watch, but uh, come on over. A little snuggle party. Uh, we got to keep warm and get some rest. Now, I, <laughs> I am shipping these two. Uh, I, I, I make nothing of this snuggle here. No. I mean, it's just two cold people. I mean, yeah. it, any, any human beings would do the same thing. Yes. I don't think we're meant to read anything romantic into that yet. <laughs> yet. All right. All right. We'll get there. Maybe. We'll, get there. we'll see. Cut to Nynaeve, who is now tied to a tree with her mouth covered. So... <laughs> Didn't work out super great for her. I mean, or did it? I don't know. But she's tied to a tree and she's got her mouth gagged right now. We see Moraine and she is out of it and pale and yeah. and they do it's a really good job. Rough. She looks real rough and they do a good job of showing her long enough that you can see the shallow breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really really. Are you watching the subtitles? Yeah. Okay, because it, it does have that in the subtitles. It's a shallow like breathing. breathing or and Light stuff breathing. like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Lan comes up to Nynaeve, takes her mouth cover off, and gives her some water. Uh, I'll tell you what I don't... I, here's, here's, let me pause here. I got another little thing I want to talk about. Here's, some, here's something I don't like about Lan. All right? Love the character. Your guy. Yeah, my guy. Absolutely. How can you not like Lan? But he's of Asian descent, the actor. And they made him look like a fucking samurai. Like, I think this is going to confuse a lot of people. I, I can't... I, it doesn't seem to me to be like... Then this world, he is of some sort of like samurai. Like I don't think they're going for that, right? I think he's a. Di- it's a different thing. Like they're not like playing on a samurai trope here. It, from what I can tell, maybe they do, but from what I can tell, they're not doing that. But yet he looks like right out of a Bruce Lee movie. So I, it's the yeah. costuming that I'm like, ah, eh, they maybe could have done better with that. So I think they are, um, and I think you'll see that. And I think because you either didn't watch the trailers or don't remember, like there is a whole group of people that have this look that you saw in one of the teaser or trailers. Um, and I think we will get there before the season ends. I don't think I watched a trailer. I think I took acid. 
I think I had a, a, some sort of like weird vision. Some sort of trip. I, that trailer was nonsensical. Now the second, yeah. the one that we released right up before was was yeah. close. So I think it was in the teaser, and it was like one of the like second and a half like flashes that you get. So like I'm not saying that so, you should remember it, but like yeah, it, well, it was there. So what I'm hearing from it you was all, also in the trailer. There okay. was a second. Yeah, I'm not gonna remember yeah. that. But uh, one thing. I, so what I'm hearing from you all is. It's not necessarily bad to equate that with the sort of samurai type thing. Correct. Not at all. Okay. This was an intentional choice. His hair is an intentional choice. Um, and his little um, band I, around his yeah. head I, yeah, is okay. intentional. So all of that, the, it all fits with a certain nation in this world. It just because he was of the actors of Asian descent, I thought it was hokey. But if it, if we're if it's okay to make that connection, I'm cool with it. I mean, we'll see what they do with it. Yeah. Yep, Nynaeve says, uh, if I help her, she best give me the answers I want. Very funny when I'm watching this, I paused it to write my notes to get Nynaeve's quote down, and I said, I don't think she should be making any demands. <laughs> Very next quote from Lan, are you really in a position to be making demands? <laughs> Nynaeve, it's not a demand, it's a threat. She's going to die without treatment, you know that. I don't see another wisdom around here, do you? Cut to Nynaeve going through the forest, picking up flowers uh, from the woods. So it's very clear that her healing is very different than the healing that Moraine does, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lan watches her work, which she takes issue with. Do you really need to be watching me? She's mad all the time. Nynaeve, you want to ask to so just ask. Lan says, you tracked me all the way from two rivers to Shadar Lagoff. How'd you do that? How did you track me? This is clearly stuck in his crawl. He's mm-hmm. not used to this. Mm-hmm. He covers his tracks. This is this is strange to him. Nynaeve, I said you could ask, not that I'd answer. Now, I will say this. I think Nynaeve should just throw a lot in with this crew and just set, like let the guard down. But if you're not going to do that, then withholding a little bit of that IP that you have, probably smart, right? Yeah. Like she's got a little bit of something that he doesn't have or at least doesn't know about. So it's probably smart for her in her current mindset to reserve that. I yeah. would also point out this, it struck me on the second watch, I think, although it was kind of niggling at me um, earlier. Nynaeve, in the, in the course of between escaping, killing the Trolloc and escaping, and the super important, all important thing that she has to do, track Lan and find her friends, costume change? Okay, so I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> She's totally wearing something different and clean. Yes, okay. not only that, but her hair is completely redone. Yes, yes it and is. And like, well yes, done, not just, I redid it in the you know rush that everything happened, and she went back and got a horse, like all of that stuff. Let's assume the best about the show, and let's say, let's assume it's intentional. Then, in world canon, are we meant to believe that the Trollocs just sort of when the when the four left, the Trollocs just sort of left two rivers, and she was able to go back into her home? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that is and accurate. It's days later, so it, it's not like you know we're just assuming that for like a week or two she's been traveling the same thing and grungy. I mean, if she's not mad for God's sakes, right? Exactly, she's not mad, and yeah. and, and so. <laughs> I think like it would be reasonable canon that she went back, and I bet if you're right, she might even confirm that the Trollocs didn't go back to the two rivers or left the two rivers shortly after they left. That might be a way for her to confirm it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah because obviously, I went gone. back in my home. I got this fresh Carhartt on. It's really solid. Yeah, new Tim's. I'm looking good. I listen. I think that there is an explanation for why this would have happened. I just think that like the the urgency that. Nynaeve has been like approaching to yeah. function with uh, would have been more believable if she had left immediately with just a horse from Two Rivers as soon as she found out that her friends were gone. Right. Not stop, redo the hair, take a bath. 
I mean, you guys right. think about the change. Like, I think it's just more evidence. But those, well, so, yeah. those braids are fairly intricate. And even yes. somebody that is an experienced braider, like, that's going to take some time. And I would also, this is, this is also a little bit of a larger issue I take with how they are portraying these characters as they are traveling. They're all too clean. Like, by the time we get to where we are, they are all too clean for what have, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Have it, And it's sort of like, that's gonna be but a she is issue. real fresh at this point. Yeah. Well, and it's like, well, okay. I feel like, so first of all, that's a good point, and I didn't even notice that she had changed, but uh, I think, like, maybe what we can take from this is that this urgency that Nynaeve is talking with, like, let's take Nynaeve and let's, like, put her, like, in our world. Like, mm-hmm. if she was at a drive through line, she'd be like, you're going to give me a fucking Big Mac and you're going <laughs> to give it to me now. Like, everything is, like, I think, like, you, you're saying she, like, you're, this is you're just saying, her tone. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's, it's all the time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's always hers. You want something, she wants it. Now, goddammit, it's the most important thing in the world. And so I think that there are some parallels between her and Moraine. Moraine is is softer in this, Mm -hmm. but very much a, you're not a woman that hears no very often. Yeah, I am not. Um, And so the other thing I wanted to say about the quote that you had about her is I feel like it softens a little bit of her anger with humor. um, And it wasn't just a... Yeah, I said you could ask, not that I'd answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because she had like a little bit of a, a smile or a smirk. Yes. She was, she and was. and so it, it is humor, and it and it it does gentle it a little bit. Well, she's probably impressed if she's if she ever lays her cards down, which she won't do. But if, if she would, she's probably a little bit impressed that like Lan disarms her, doesn't hurt her, and his only interest is getting Moraine fixed. Right. Like he he just wants to help her. It's clear that's his only like that's that's kind of an impressive thing I would think if you're coming at it from a good right. place, right? Cuts to naive treaty Moraine. She's basically, basically what she's doing is creating a solve, what I can tell, uh, to pack the wound to help the infection. It seems like more of a medicinal approach as opposed to mm-hmm. a magical approach is mm-hmm. what I'm getting. Right. Naive turns to land. I've heard about the bond between an Aes Sedai and a warder. More on that, I'm going to ask some question, canon questions here. That you can feel what she feels. Hmm? Well, get ready because this is going to hurt. Um, so... Here's, I'm going to give you my take of what I saw on the screen, and I'm going to ask if this is something you want to disabuse me of with book canon, or if we just let it let it run. It seems to me that there is the lore out there that the, the warder and the Aes Sedai are very close. They basically can feel each other. It's pretty clear that Lan cannot feel what she's feeling, like literally. I think it's just a saying that she's sort of appropriated and sort of just thought. Like She's like, she heard that, and she's like, well, maybe that there's some truth to that, so I'll go ahead and warn him. But when he, she packed, when he, when Nynaeve packs Moraine's wound and like gets the pus out of it, mm-hmm. looks like it's something that might hurt. Lan doesn't seem like he's really hurting. So there's a joke that Lan is stone faced, so I wouldn't take uh, Lan's reactions to things as normal in the world, particularly pain. Do we think so? There is so okay. All right, I got like, we'll you. We'll have to see what the show it. does. I yeah. mean, right. there's the book lore which is is different. Um, and so there are a lot of things that they're diverging on and I'm nervous sure that they're diverging so much this. so soon. This makes me nervous. I, I, but, I, I, book people, you might, I might not make you as nervous as it makes me, but like I keep hearing from you all, like, I'm like, well, maybe the book answers this and y'all are like, well, fuck I, know. Know. Well, and I mean, that's, so, that's got a bad sign three episodes. But in. here's the thing. Yeah, go ahead. Well, is that essentially a lot of the changes that they've done yes they are big changes and i think that's where a number of people are kind of upset about them however in the grand scheme of things what they've changed means that they're trying to keep true to the soul and the and the heart of the books and the characters and i think they're doing that reasonably well so i think even though yes there are changes it's not changes that are going to like functionally alter 
the span of the books and the arc that everybody goes through. Okay. And the other thing, necessary changes to, yes. to facilitate the movement of the plot. Right. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of internalized stuff that you're just not going to see on screen or it's going to look terrible. Okay. Makes right. sense. And so a lot of the, the intricacies like that and what you're talking about is either somebody's point of view where, you know, oh, like I felt that or I, th- I, I saw that or whatever else. And we're just, Either that the actor or, or actress is going to like show that like on their face or, or with a reaction or they're not. And so it's hard to tell now like some of those things like where they're going with it. Yeah. And I think it'll be more clear as they go on because they're going to have to show all those things rather than have that point of view. Okay. Makes and sense. I would Makes also sense. just say that like a lot of what, you know, we especially Brie and BJ have been because you are much more steeped in this world than than I am. But a lot of what the changes have been thus far have been a sort of slimming down of the the lore just to make it accessible. palatable and accessible. I would say streamlining. Right. Like, yeah. okay. Really yeah. streamlining. Because this is um, bigger lore than, than Game of Thrones and probably around on par with, uh, like, fellowship type. I mean, where... Like, there are 14 books and then three or four companion books, and, and it's big. Well, yeah. and the other thing there, too, Sounds is Malazan-ish. that it, hopefully a little bit more digestible than Mal- Malazan, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, shots at Malazan. It's, yeah, that first book was rough. Um, but the other thing to point out, too, is, so what was really neat is with the character building is that Robert Jordan... Even characters that you see once for five seconds in the book have pages written about them in Robert Jordan's notes. Like, That's we don't token. necessarily have yeah, access to those, like but everybody has, like, a real well-thought-out motivations, backstory, mm-hmm. all the things. And so there's so much that is in this world that there's just no way it's to have it all. It's got to yeah. be. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. And so, you know, either this is some of you're just seeing, like, a water on on the uh, very edge of the bell curve. Like, I would say Lan is sort of among the best. And so, Seems like, right. how he interacts with the world is just going to be a little bit different than everybody else. So it could be some of that, and it could be some streamlining. So we just don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, interesting. So we get a fairly gross scene in Nynaeve popping the sword, trying to get some pus <laughs> out of it. I'll just admit this about myself. I don't mind admitting things about myself on the podcast, like, to be honest here. Uh, that's so... What is satisfying to Cathartic, me? Cathartic, like, yeah. Yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. the pus, like getting the thing out. Like, yep. like if I've got like a like a, something and I'm like popping a, a bump and I get the, like the pus comes out of it, I feel like a new man. I'm like, my God, I fixed myself. I, I think Bree's favorite thing in treating horses is, is, is emptying pus-filled sores or whatever and, and and infected hooves and all this gross stuff. And Good, her, I get her, it. Her I main totally get it. complaint about this was... There wasn't enough pus. Yes. yes. Not quite right. Agreed. Yeah. There yeah. wasn't enough so, pus. And the color was completely wrong. Yeah. But you can write that yes. off as it's a trollic poisoned right. wound. Right. Anything could be And so the, there. you there know, been more, though. kind of yes. more serious green liquid, mm-hmm. which is absolutely not something you would ever get from an infected wound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the type of content you get here on Mango <laughs> <laughs> yeah, If talk. you were wondering what differentiates us from yes. other podcasts you consume. The detailed, (laughs) purulent discussion. Yeah, let somebody else break down the pus color. That's right. (laughs) Uh, So, Maureen, not looking good here. Completely pale, barely breathing. Duncan Cheek, anybody? Anyway, unconscious. Nynaeve then says, now we give it time. So, Lan looks at her kind of confused. 
So here's what I took from that. It seems to me the land's used to moraine's healing, which is like, ta-da! Like, and this is a different type of healing. And mm -hmm. he's like, fuck, this is like, this is different than I expected. She's not like back with us right away. And there's some uncertainty around it. So right. I think it's yeah. it's creating uh, some, like, uh, he's... Uh, on, on, not on solid ground here, Land is. Mm -hmm. And that's the look I think he shoots Nynaeve. Cuts a parent. Yeah, the other thing I would say there is that he doesn't really have any idea of what she might be capable of. Because I think Moraine may have mentioned, yeah, so we just don't know if Land knows what Moraine knows. So Moraine knows that Nynaeve can channel shit. I hope that's not a spoiler. No, I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. So absolutely, she can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But we, we don't know, know if yeah. Land knows. They did it right. together. Remember? Uh, yeah, yeah. She did it with um, old girl with Egwene. With, with yeah. 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 They listened so to. Listening it. to I know she can yeah. tap into it. I think. Because y'all gave me a look that was like. Oh, no, 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 no. No. What we the look we gave you was she knows that he knows that he knows that she. We were doing the trying to figure out what you were saying. But I do think I know what you mean. Land might not know. There's some uncertainty from Land about like. What, a can she do this? Yeah, and then right. B like if he does know that she can tap in to this network of power, like why the hell didn't you just do that? Right. So there's probably yeah. a couple things. And yeah. then the other thing is she's never faced a trollic wound before, so mm -hmm. she she's probably also uncertain about is is this even going to do yeah, anything? What are we I don't doing? Know. What are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's also like, yes, yeah. Like, this isn't reacting like any other poison I've dealt with. And I don't know if if Lan is thinking about this at all, but there is also, as we talked about in the last, I think the last pod, there is the, um, the the like Lan knows too if Nynaeve tries to tap into it, even if he knows she can, like that's real dangerous because she doesn't know what she's doing. Right, right, and he doesn't know if she has done that before. Yeah, like if that. So there's there are all kinds of. Yeah, things We're going not on sure about with, what's going on. Yes. But this is the best option we have, right? Now. Yes. Stuff some herbs in it and let's see what happens. Pretty Sounds much, good. absolutely. Cut like to <laughs> cut to Perrin walking, uh, waking up in a thunderstorm. He is in a house and in a window. Shout out to Sarah. Good eye here. In the back, you see some orange yellow eyes. I think we can start to equate this with dreams. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought he was in a dream anyway, because like, well, got, why is he waking up in the house? There, but yeah. I think if you didn't know that, you could probably tell from the eyes. He's walking around the house asking for Layla. It looks like he's in a maybe his own house or, or something. It looks like the a blacksmith's home, because there's mm -hmm. a big fire pit there that he could work on. The wind's blowing. He's walking weird again. Hands are down. <laughs> wrists near the hips. Very strange look. I don't know why he walks that way. Maybe uh, he has shoulder problems from being a blacksmith. Maybe. Maybe that's in canon. He, mm -hmm. He's going to a fire, the Smith's fire pit, and we see a wolf eating Layla. And she turns to look at him and whispers, I know. You, I, don't, you, I don't think you would have catched the I know if you were just watching it casually. I watch it on the subtitles, and the subtitles said, mm -hmm. uh, or she said, I know. Mm -hmm. One other thing, did you catch uh, what appeared behind Perrin? Kind of like super brief. No, go ahead. Okay, yeah. so as he's coming through the doorway, you get a face and the fiery eyes and like a whole body. Yeah. Like a cowled mm -hmm. body. So it was outside the window and then behind him as he crossed the threshold. So like and in the house. Similar to the bat dream that we had in episode two. So it's mm -hmm. sort of the same looking figure. Got it. That's a, that's a great connection there to make for folks. Um, I know from Layla was weird. I think is it maybe this is guilt or something from that. I'm not quite sure, but that, that was pretty strange. And it's kind of gross that 
capable of eating. But again, it goes to what I was talking about, which is these characters think the wolves are are not on their side. Mm-hmm. Like he clearly is scared of the wolf, right? Because he's dreaming that the wolf is eating his wife, right? It is also interesting that that like for me that scene is a direct parallel to the Trolloc eating the innards of the other Trolloc. Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. are they are staged the same way. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of inner heat in this episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The intestines look real similar. He's a real underdog. I don't think anybody would have bet on inner eating. Yeah. Inner eating and pus squeezing is what we've got for you. It's the winners of the episode. Pretty gross episode so far. They probably reused those those intestines from from those scenes. (laughs) They're they're kind of a little uh, fake. Yeah, Smash cuts a parent waking up and Aguina's telling him, look, the wolves are close. We gotta go. So we get a, a chase scene with them and the wolves. Really cool chase scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it does look like they use some real wolves for this. There's some CGI wolves, obviously, in the chase scene, but it does look like they have actually got some wolves that they're working with. Uh, I can tell again, sorry to all the Game of Thrones references, but I, I just know from Game of Thrones that getting real wolves is super fucking expensive. So they, and a, and a hassle logistically, and like, it's just, it's not easy for them from a production standpoint to do this. So just mad respect for the show for going the extra mile. I liked it. Uh, cut to Matt. Uh, oh, and they run. Like, so Perrin and Nguyen are, are running. They get to the edge of a wood. So it's like this, it's kind of not really. I guess scrublandy It's not really yeah. densely populated yeah. wood. And there's no leaves on the trees. But mm-hmm. they get to the edge of that, where the trees are, and the wolves stop back where the trees are. And Nguyen asks why they stop. Perrin doesn't know. He just responds that they need to keep moving. Cut to Matt and Rand. Matt, shit, it's cold. <laughs> Matt asked him to trade coats. Matt is so funny to me. He's cold. His buddy's got a nice coat. Hey, man, you want to trade coats for a while? Well, let's take turns. You want to trade coats for a while? Yeah. He seems like the type of friend that you have to be on high alert for a note. Like, you can't just, like, cat. You know, like, a lot of friends you have, they'll ask you things, and your first reaction is like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, you know, you just kind of trust your friend. Can't do that with Matt. You have got to be, when he asks you a question, you have got to think about it. Because he will take literally take the coat off your back if he's cold. <laughs> I mean, uh, it is a nice coat. It's, it's a it's nice a coat. It's a fine leather coat. Like, you know, it it would be nice I mean, to it's have sheepskin. in, in the, the, uh, the mountains. So Absolutely. And he does look ratty. They've done a good job with that. He does not have great, like, clothes on. Like, he's got... Matt, yeah. yeah. Oh, Matt. yeah. He's he looking real right there, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ran then says this quote from him. Uh, Think of the stories the kids will read about you one day. Matt Kalton, the man who once walked while a little chilly. <laughs> pretty good yeah yep. Matt you funny now that's a new wrinkle and it is for us too yep. it's yep. for the viewer I mean I it's love... a new one for the book readers mm-hmm. too yeah honestly. never not yeah. a hint of humor yeah Rand is a funny Rand is like never no. the funny one no. so I'm glad they called that out as a like yeah. hey mm, that's, that's a weird. new wrinkle maybe he's talking to the book readers yeah yeah, yeah. I, yeah I like when they do that yeah the eventual they eventually get to a cliff and they look over it and it's a river but more importantly a town yeah. mm-hmm. that's right they have Whatever way they went, good way. Whatever way a green and Perrin went, doesn't Not seem so like much. a better way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like the can we at least go downhill? And and then Rand is like, see, we have downhill. It even is a city. Like, I brought you to the, like, the best option here. Yeah. You can stop complaining. Absolutely. I did a great job here. And then we get some <laughs> medieval esque music as they walk up. Uh, but as they walk up, uh, when we're getting that sort of medieval music, I'm thinking like Renaissance fear, like, oh, this is going to be nice. Like, someone's going to hand yeah. a turkey leg and they're going to be. Uh, <laughs> we're all happy. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, we get a very concerning shot of an individual <laughs> in a cage. Now, this, I, I know just from like 
uh, other stories and, and uh, looking at stuff like this, like that have a, like from that medieval period, that's a torture device. Mm-hmm. What that person is in. That's not just a, I killed someone and put them up there. I think what they these devices are typically used for is it makes you stand up. Mm-hmm. For like days on end, mm-hmm. and, and you, you can, and you, lit- and you literally can't even br- buckle your knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is torture that that person was in, and then eventually somebody peppered him with arrows at some point. But this person is now dead. That's yep. the thing. And Matt notices a very bright, shiny, nice stone on the individual. They, they boy, they really focus in on mm-hmm. on Matt's perspective there, and that's the end of that scene. Anything on uh, Dead Man and the torture device? It's a pretty rock. Nope. We'll, we'll get back to it later. We sure there, will. there are things there. Yeah. Cuts to the town and it's busy. People are working, going about their business. Music's a little foreboding though. We're not, we don't get the same. After we see the dead man and the torture device, the music changes a little bit, which I appreciate it. And this mm-hmm. is like also a much dirtier, almost more like industrial E town yeah. as much as anything is here. But I mean, like I think a much it's dirtier that... town than um than two rivers. Yeah. It's which, a mining town. Yes. Yeah. A mining it town. seems like it's sort of it's a it's a pop up. It, yeah. It's a pop up like a you know, like like food truck that yeah. needs a storefront for an afternoon pop up. Or a medieval Upton Sinclair. Like that's what we're. <laughs> so the other thing that I thought was really interesting, um, and I don't know how much you guys looked at this, but the stuff that they were mining wasn't like raw ore, and like to me it looked oh, yeah. like what they were getting and picking out and where the mining town was was basically in like a former city. Mm-hmm. And they're oh, going through ruins. They're mining yeah. as well, and they're trying to get stone or mm-hmm. whatever else they do. Just scavenging, maybe. But yeah, and I think that they're really playing up this. There are ruins everywhere because there used to be places like Minethrim, places like Aradol, all these great cities thousands of years ago, and they're sort of living in the ruins of that civilization. Yep. Archaeologist. I, well, <laughs> a certain opportunist. Archaeologist, yeah, I had not picked up on that. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I agree. Then we hear drink, drink, drink. So it sounds like there's. It seems like all these towns have the biggest building in this town, and all these towns is a bar. Yeah, it's the and this is big Oktoberfest looking tent, and that's where they go to because so, you know. Before you get fun. there, I do want to just comment as the horse resident, please. Yeah, expert, yes. is what horses. Exactly. So what was very cool is they used mules for these scenes. Mm. So all of the the pack animals that you saw are all mules and they actually looked fairly like appropriate for like draft animals. Oh cool. Um, so anyway, I thought that was very cool, although they didn't have any of them brain, which was a little disappointing when the horses are constantly wickering and neighing yeah. and it's like really they don't are, make are that are much the horses noise. Constantly wickering? I think they sputter Oh, they're a lot. sputtering. In the subtitles they're sputtering, <laughs> which is very unfortunate. Okay. Yeah, I, I but don't know that I would Anyway, there are mules. That is very cool. Yeah, that yep. is cool. So maybe maybe the indication that these are working animals. Absolutely. And, uh, mm-hmm. they maybe don't have as much money in the stone. No. So they go to the town tavern where everybody is drinking. The waitress welcomes them and they sit down. She brings them some drinks. Rand immediately says, we only have enough for food. Matt's like, killjoy. What the fuck, man? <laughs> she says, well, the soup's good. Bet it isn't. Uh, Rand asks if anyone has come into the town today. And it will, maybe, you, I don't know, somebody like a woman with a braid or a big guy. And she tells them. Uh, and I think it's interesting here that Rand, when he's like, have you seen anybody? He describes the Gween and Perrin. He doesn't say, did you see some sickly, pale-looking woman who's magic with a samurai guy? He doesn't care about Moraine and Land. He doesn't even ask about them, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, no, the only person to come through fresh is a gleeman, which is a 
phrase that maybe people had heard before. I kind of had, and I was able to piece together what it is. I guess it's just like a traveling entertainer, somebody who just... Yep, you are spot on. Yeah, it just kind of goes from town to town with a song and a tune and his guitar. So the guy comes out, uh, tunes his guitar up. I like that. I like that. Tuned his guitar. You Mm -hmm. got to do that, especially, you know, in that altitude. You're going to get off with the strings (laughs) a little bit. He does the, he tunes his guitar. He starts to play and sing. What do we think about this guy singing? I'm going to say little Scott Stappish from Creed. Little yeah. back, <laughs> short, little alt, alt 90s tone mm-hmm. to this character. Um, as, I would say maybe even a little older, um, I, like I maybe a little Johnny Cash vibes, um, you know, sort of that really raw voice, mm-hmm. and I think that they're leaning into that. Okay, um, I don't think I'll just do a couple lines from the song uh, The Colors of His Morning, The Darkness of His Night, Little Grave That Gave No Warning, A Sun That Brought No Light. He saw his whole world breaking, the tortured soul I met, in a prison of his making, the man who can't forget. And then we get more, but that's basically mm-hmm. yep. basically the, the crux of this song. Yep. Uh, in the prison of his making, the man who can't forget. And he gets up and he leaves. Good song. A little short, but good song. Not, yeah, I mean, I think long. the key is, you know, keep him interested and get as much money as you can between songs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He, he, he goes short with it so that he mm-hmm. can get up and, and collect the tips. The waitress, she's been here, done this before. She goes, are we all going to cry or do we want another round? Ah! <laughs> Everybody cheers. Guy walks around, he's getting tips from folks, but he does run into a, and very specifically touches one man. One man is like walking and he kind of positions and jockeys himself in front of him and like touches him. Like, oh, sorry about that, man. Like, and they're, they're doing way more touching than he does with anybody else. Just important. Gleeman sits down and the waitress... I'm going to call him Gleeman until we get his name. Yep. The Gleeman sits down and the waitress comes up and asks for a donation for the Gleeman. You got it? Guys, come on. Like, mm-hmm. shit, ain't, shit ain't free, all right? <laughs> and uh, Rand gives it, uh, but as Matt looks through his money sack, the Gleeman holds it up. He says, you can't trust anyone around here and motions to the guy that he had just touched. Yeah. So I think the inference here is that that guy, the guy he touched, pickpocketed Matt, and the Gleeman caught it. Which is impressive. We should be mm-hmm. impressed by that. And then was able to pickpocket it back. I'm gonna yep. call it. Yep. I'm gonna call a reverse pickpocket That's situation. Yep. The reverse you know, part. No. Yeah. Yes. So, so if if you so that guy Gosh. did bump into Matt like Earlier. just before. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. Well, I, I didn't catch that. I mean, you. They showed it. That's yeah, great. But you also yeah. could have inferred it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. The way that they shot it, and the way they should. They. He's very quick, clearly motions like you can't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. This guy over here, right? So. Uh, Matt goes to take his sack back and whoop, Gleeman, you know, like you do the, the handshake and then the whoop right up in the air, mm-hmm. in the air, uh, with the, with the fake handshake, kind of what he does with the, with the sack. He's like, nope, not going to give it to you. This donation is a donation for the Gleeman and a small fee for the life lesson. And Rand says, bloody expensive lesson, Gleeman, the best ones are. Mm-hmm. That was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I got a good vibe from this guy right away. Um, I don't know. We'll talk more about him, but like mm-hmm. when he first popped on screen, I thought I like the cut of his jib. Not with the singing. The singing was, eh. but the, when he sat down with them and started talking, yeah. I, I got yeah. a good vibe from the guy. Yeah. They sit back down, cut to the howling plane, and we hear wolves howling in the background. Perrin and Nguyen are walking. Nguyen comments that they that they're still here. Basically, the wolves they're still around. They see fresh tracks that are deep. Now, this, these are not wolf tracks. This is some sort of like wagon, yep. cart, yeah. something. That they look at the depth of the track. Because Perrin, obviously, smart guy. They look at the depth of the track and go, like, well, it's got to be carrying a lot of people. Like, that's that was a big deal, right, mm-hmm. wherever this is going. And it seems to be heading toward the White Tower. I don't know how they know that, but that's what they, they say. It's going east. east. Yeah, so they're looking to the east, and that seems to be where it's going. And also, 
like it looks fresh. I assume that you know there's a lot of yeah. you know, freshly disturbed craft. Yeah, absolutely. Aguin says it's like the wolves are lead. She said it's almost like the wolves led us here. Mm-hmm. See, started to pick it out. The wolves are not just mindlessly <laughs> bad people. I'm telling you. Uh, Perrin says they should hang back until they know more, and they keep off. Cut back to the bar. Good time is being had by all. And Matt asks if they have enough money to pay for tonight. Rand, I have, but you got robbed. <laughs> Sucker. And yet again, Rand being funny. Yeah. It's interesting where they're going with that character. Rand tells him to get up so we can see if the barmaid has a room for him. Cut to them. They just walk in the back of this place. Pretty pretty astonishing. I mean, I mean there doesn't seem to be a lot of security or, uh, you know, <laughs> we're not worried about health code violations. Certainly not. No, no, none of that. Um, yeah, so they go right to the barmaid, um, and she just goes, "All right, with it, get out with it. I can tell when a lad wants something." So right away, sassy barmaid. <laughs> Matt says that they throw themselves at the feet of her mercy if she would just, you know, give them yeah, a room or yeah. something. And she's like, "Well, go ahead, get down, get down there." And he's like, eh, "Check out the floor." Didn't like, quite uh, mean that. No, so Rand steps foul. in, says, "All right, yeah, that didn't work. Let gross. me try this. How about this? Um, we're looking for somewhere to stay cheap." We'll work to pay it off if that's possible. She says, look, Phil, save your money. I do have a job for you. And they, she takes Rand out back to start splitting wood. And Rand seems to happily take the axe. He's like, I can do this. I <laughs> fucking grow yes, on a mountain so farm. Let's do this. I wanted to point out like a really funny little tiny spot where Rand notices that, that the barmaid is chucking just all of the things that yeah. are coming yeah. right back into the soup and like some beers from patrons and all going in there. And he's just like... I ate that from oh, the earlier God. line yeah. where you know we thought it's good. Soup's like, oh, good, and now it's just like. Mm. I thought it was particularly funny that before she did before she poured the two steins of beer in there, she did sniff them to yeah. make oh, yeah. to yeah. make sure they were beer. I think was not the urine. Like, yeah. not urine. Yes, and then she did cut up a pig's foot and put that in yeah. there too. Yeah. But I mean, pig's feet can be a delicacy. That's not necessarily a problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just get the feeling that everybody's unfinished plates also. It's a bowl of brown. There. It's Absolutely. a bowl of brown. There's been yep. meat in there for decades. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Matt's watching the waitress, and Rand comments that she's a little young for you. Moraine is more your style. So there we go. We got a little insight into Matt's romantic history. It seems like older women. Rand says they they can alternate, and Matt's like, uh, "You think she's up for that?" And he's like, "Dude, the wood. I'm talking about child. <laughs> Gross. God, man. Head out of the gutter." Uh, Matt doesn't seem super interested in this chore. Uh, does not make a move for the axe, nor wood, I can say. Matt then comments that... That's a through line. Matt's not really interested in chores. Yeah, Matt then comments yeah. that Rand is the reason why we're in... You feel like you're the reason why we're in this shit town to begin with. Rand asks, uh, what's your deal? Uh, and, and Matt kind of snaps at him and says, look, do you really believe all this shit? Ice to die, white tower, one of us being the dragon reborn. It's a bloody joke, the worst kind. One that has gone on way too long. He then speculates that Egwene and Perrin probably aren't even going to the White Tower. They're probably dead. Rand's like, whoa, bro, you don't believe that. Chill out. Matt's like, even if they are, you don't need to go there for her. She wouldn't do it for you. Dagger to the heart. Mm-hmm. Oof. I mean... Rand calls him a prick. Tells him to leave, so Matt does We already kind of had that conversation, and Egwene thinks that about him. So, I mean, they're clearly already... On the outs, and, and I think appropriately reading each other. I yeah. look, dude. I I don't think this is out of line from that. I mean, everything we've seen is that like a queen mm-hmm. uh, is really does choose her own personal yeah. interest over Rand, and she seems 100%. to do that all the time. If I was Matt, I'd probably be pointing that out too. I'd be like, well, mm-hmm. don't don't up in your whole life. 
For this chick. For this chick who's like, care. literally, the first time she got another option other than you, she took it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. literally the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But Rand clearly didn't appreciate it. So right. they're a little fussy. Matt walks in and the waitress asks, you finished already? He's like, I, nah, that work is not really for me. She asks him what he can do. And he says, well, back home, I was pretty well off horse trader. Hey, everybody. Oh, thank goodness you're here. Everybody, I've got a horse trader with no horses here. Does anyone need a horse trader for no horses? Just completely blows his spot up. Very funny. She tells him no one cares about anything other than when the next beer is coming. So serve beer or chop wood. Matt, I'm usually the one drinking. Um, but she hands him some drinks and he starts to pass them out. I think this is a good chore for Matt. I'm yes, yeah, yeah. yes. This seems right on his level. He, Absolutely. Uh, Waiter is pretty good. Extrovert, kind of personable. Uh, he, he trades some banter with the uh, patrons as he starts serving mm-hmm. drinks. So. He's a barmaid with stubble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He says something about like my razor was blunted, shaving your wife's back or something. I yeah. don't know what he said. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, she was impressed by his little his little witty banter there, and he did get tipped. And she asked him if he's saving up for anything, and he says, I'm just trying to get home. And she's like, where's that? And Matt says, well, the two of us are from Barillon. Yeah. Is That's that a, a call to the book. Is that a lie? Yes. yes. Yeah, he's lying about it where is, he's yeah. from. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, you can see west. he starts with the two rivers, and then he's like, the two of us are from. Uh, Barillon. Okay, yeah. back west. You don't know the quickest way to get back, do you? She says, well, it's by a riverboat, but you're going to need more money. He's like, well, how much? And she's like, a fucking lot. And he's like, well, I only need one ticket. So that was important, that he's already now planning mm-hmm. to leave Rant and split up even further. She says it's a shame he's going home, quote, where we're born we're born in this dirt. We spend our whole lives digging in it until one day they cover us up with a few shovelfuls of the same stuff. All these bastards know everything about me. The ones that have stuck around have known me since I was a girl. So basically, she's kind of sharing towny life and this idea of like, man, it'd be nice to go somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you, also, you are somewhere else, man. I also read that as a little bit, it'd be nice to interact. Uh, we'll see how far that goes with somebody that's not from the town and didn't grow up with me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so. Yep. She's she's proud of him, it seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah Multiple yeah. times. Multiple yeah. times. She's but proud. I do also, like, I, I really like this interaction and, you know, we'll talk about what is actually going on with this character later, but, like, I, throughout this episode, I, like, deeply empathize with her. I yeah. get where she's coming from, and I kind of get what has led her decision-making where she ends, where up. She ends yeah. up. Yeah. I think they did a really good job with this character. I mm-hmm. also love the way the actress plays this character. Yes. I was going to say a, a little disappointed dark friends. Her. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sarah, yeah. fan of the dark one. <laughs> I was unhappy that we only get it, that she's killed off so quickly and really liked how this actress oh, interesting. Per, like, mm-hmm. did in this role. I thought she was yeah. great, yeah. Yeah, she had like she had the way she carried herself was really good. Um, mm-hmm. Apart from anything else, she pontificates about how nice it would be to some, be somewhere new. Matt says, uh, "Well, I'm gonna get back somewhat. I'm gonna get back some kind of way here. I'm gonna beg, borrow, steal." She says, "You might want to think about the last one, unless you end up in a cage." So referencing the, the fellow that they saw on the way in. Mm-hmm. Cut back to the forest, and we see Moraine still asleep, still not looking great. Nynaeve is telling Land that the poison was nothing like she's ever seen before. She says, "I worry." Dot dot dot. Land cuts her off and says, I'll be back. She sort of panics. What happens to what happened to watching my every move? Which I, she is so funny, right? Like, she can't even say, like, whoa, man, I don't really want to separate out here in these woods. Instead, she's got to, like, be super aggressive and be like, well, why are you being fucking. I'm like, killer. Yeah, why are you, like, talking out of both sides of your mouth, dude? Like, why are you, like, she can't fucking, like, just ask a, like, normal question of this guy. But anyway, Land takes off. He tells her uh, she'll keep Moraine safe uh, and. 
Team needs to go. Nynaeve, uh, don't be so sure. Land takes off. Cut back to Perrin and Egwene. They are walking in the tracks they found. So they're just following these tracks. Mm-hmm. Perrin tells her to let him go first. He'll come back if it's safe. Right? <laughs> Look at that. Chivalry not dead, folks. <laughs> shipping. I'm shipping. He pushes her to do that. Um, and she said, look, you don't, look, look, Perrin, don't do that. You don't have to protect me, all right? It's not your fault what happened. Perrin says it is. I think we all know what Perrin is talking about. Yeah. Egwene's talking about something different. She hugs him and says it's not your fault. Perrin seems really distressed during this conversation. I think the weight of the trauma of killing his wife is on him. Um, near stairs, he's like looking out like above her right. head. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. tough. And, and you know, Egwene, because she's developing serious romantic feelings for Perrin, obviously, <laughs> yes. uh, comes in for the hug. Yeah, so it's very important. Uh, she tells them they need to go and they keep walking. They eventually get to a forest. They hear crackling. They turn around. They see a group of people. Aguin yells, what do you want? A lady in the group says, do you know the song? She repeats herself multiple times as they walk toward them. Aguin holds out a knife and questions her. One of the guys says, look, they don't know it. They already sung it already. Then he says, your welcome warms our spirit as your fires warm the flesh. But we do not know the song. That's the important bit. Go on. Say it. Queen says it, Perrin repeats it. The lady says, uh, then we seek still as it was, so it shall be if we but remember, seek and find. I'm Isla. This is Rain. You both look awful. <laughs> uh, Sarah, you dressed as these folks. Do you want to talk about who they are? These uh, gypsy adjacent characters that have been introduced? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I can talk a little bit about them because we do meet them in the first book, so I do know a little bit of, mm-hmm. about them. And I think that this is one of the points I want to bring up specifically on our second half of this podcast. But they are, I mean, they are they are traveling people. Um, and please, Bree and BJ, jump in with any extra knowledge you think is is helpful here. But they are traveling people, and they are, um, you know, their life's mission is to be on this quest for the song that they, like, would you call it the, like, the story of the world, the prime mover of the world, like what? It's actually not clear what song they're actually looking uh-huh. for. Um, I mean, you, you get hints of it in the yeah. book, what song it is. Yeah. But no, it's not clear yeah. here, which is what I yeah. want to talk about it, the yeah. second part. But yeah. I think it's not like spoilery to say that like we have this one song reference that does not get right. referenced again, really. They know many, many episode. songs, but yes. they do not know the song. Right. The so, song, yeah. Like, yeah, I would, like, I think they did capitalize song in the, the subtitles, and I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Wait, so, yes, that is that is appropriate. Like, this is sort of like almost, I think you're supposed to interpret this as a religious greeting, basically. Which it kind of... Or at least just a very stereotype. I, I like, would call it a ritual. Yeah, ritual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Religion has a little bit of codification to it that I don't think necessarily right. applies right. here. But it, it is a, it is certainly a ritual greeting. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I think they're gypsy adjacent people that we've been introduced to. They're travelers. They look yep. sort of scrangly. But they are, you know, nicer than maybe the reputation. They're very nice. I would also say that they're they, no white cloaks. That they maybe look a little scraggly as especially when they're just standing there. But when we get back to their camp, like they have potted plants out and rugs on the ground. So I, I think they've got it a little more together than Little nomad yeah. land. Mm-hmm. Nomad yeah, land. like I think they're they have a system. They're, yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're not just one. They know how to work that Winnebago. So did this tick the they're not as clean as or, or they're, no, they're, no, I believe this from them because they have like a specific way of life that they are and living. And they look that like they live it. Yeah, that, that this is how they live, whereas our plucky gang of people are just rough and right. should 
Although I will say that they they are right. Um, Perrin and Egwene look awful, and that was appropriate. It's everybody else who has yeah. stayed cleaner than they should. Right, and so I think like both the 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 Tuathan, the the tinkers look kind of dusty. They don't like look dirty. But yes, they, they look like they've been traveling, but they're still put together. Whereas Egwene and and Perrin look. Bedraggled. This is just yeah. gypsy, gypsy, gypsy. Everything you're describing is exactly <laughs> like it's perfect. Like there you go. Okay, anyway, um, or at least like that that sort of trope that we get in right. a lot of yeah. media yes. of those types of of, yeah. of band of travelers. Right. Yeah. Cut to Aguin and Rand, uh, or not Aguin and uh, Perrin arriving at the camp. Aguin is arm in arm with them as they walk. Just want to point that out. They're covered with a blanket. Put and they're put toward a fire. They're given food. Uh, Aguin asks who they are. Come on now. Our reputation precedes us wherever we go. Uh, the guy in the group responds, an ill-earned, it's ill-earned, that reputation. We are the Tuathan. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. Is that about That's right? That's what they call themselves. Yeah. Tuathan. What? Tuathan. 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 Anyway, Tuathan, the traveling people. Uh, Aram is one of the guys there. He makes a joke. The people who steal your gold and your children. I don't think that's true, but that was pretty funny. He asked if they've heard of the Tinkers. So I guess that's another name for them. It is. Tinkers. Yeah. And that's what most so people just kind of out in the world know them as Tinkers. Right. And and so Tinkers is a little bit, it, it's sort of genocide and, and not genocide, sort of depending on how you're referring to them. But this does feed into the trope of like they repair pots and, and stuff like that. Very like similar gypsy vibe that, that you're getting. Yeah. Um, and as far as stealing children, I think it's not unreasonable to say they have a certain way of living and so if they are near a village and the young people of that village like really get invested in the way that these people are living and believe sort of their system then they could leave with the tinkers when the tinkers leave the village imagine like hippies following a band yeah you know like an older teenager is kind of like hey that looks awesome bye i'm I'm gonna like i'm gonna go hang with the deadheads for a while exactly exactly so so I, we might, we'll probably get a little bit more Philly in it because they'll probably right. be along with these people for a little there bit is a whole there's a whole sort of, like I said, belief system that these people have. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, that makes sense. And the lady tells them that their flyers are open to all as long as they need them. Aram and you two look like you need them. Cut back to Mr. Testosterone Rand. He's just getting a nice upper body workout in, splitting that wood. The waitress tells him, look, that's enough. We got enough wood probably for the next year. Matt asks if they can stay. Uh, Rand asks if they can stay out there a bit, but she says, uh, "I'll do you one better." She tells them that they've earned a real, real bed, real, real place to stay inside. So I will say that this is a significant departure from the books and has made probably about half the people watching really sad because in the books there's a scene that's almost exactly like this where Rand does this shirtless, and uh, I'm sure <laughs> very disappointing. Actually. I went the other way on this because I was like, I expected we were going to get the obligatory shirtless because he's, I mean, but and you, I was you, like, you're more a fan of Tom Merlin. So, so let's, that's true. You go older, yes. just like Matt goes older. Yes. <laughs> I understand Matt in this situation. Yeah, you're not going to want that kid with his shirt. No, he's like 12. No. I don't need him shirtless he's, in this yeah, scene. He's like he's adorable, just, not he's totally, sexy. Totally yeah. like 23, 4. But yeah, okay. Uh, good. Yeah. Might as well be 12. Doesn't want that shirt off with that guy. But I mean, it, I think the point's still there, right? That he's like clearly like being manly. Yes, yes, yes. The waitress kind of yes. calls him on it and is like, that's enough, dude. But she takes him inside. And uh, when they get there, she starts asking him questions, sort of insinuating that he and Matt are in a relationship. Rand sort of laughs that off and corrects her. 
he says, if I wanted a man, I could do better than that, basically. Uh, a couple things there. One is, it's interesting that in this world, I guess, there there is open homosexuality because she just openly assumed that. She didn't even feel uncomfortable at basically asking him. Or, yeah. Through her insinuating right. questions, she was kind of asking him. And you can tell from Matt's reaction, it's not anything to be offended about, right? Because Matt was just kind of like, eh, it's just not, not for Rant. me, but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. So, I think... The introduction there is that there's homosexuality in this world, and it doesn't seem, at least right now, that people are like super weird about it. Rand says, um, uh, she, as she's about to leave, she gives him two beers, and she goes to leave, and he says, why don't you just drink Matt's? He's buggered off somewhere, so hang out here and drink this. Unless you don't drink on the job, and she's like, totally drink on the job, like 98% of waitresses <laughs> yes. all over the planet. Cut to Lan riding through the woods. Beautiful early morning shot. Then we see Lan ride his horse right up to the cliff. No, sir. Not for me. <laughs> nope. If you uh, follow any of my podcasts, you know I am not a fan of heights. And he gets way too close to that. Why does he make it that close? It was just there for the pretty shot. Because that's just sort of very silly. Because also, I feel like... The horse wouldn't do those are sort of real dumb. And they, no, they the horse would 100% horse. do it if it's a well-trained horse. But... The the rocks that they're on, like the shale, like I could see that slipping and like, there goes Man- Mandar. Bye. All kinds of problems. But he's scouting. One less Frisian. He's clearly scouting. Cut back to Nynaeve, who is tending to Moraine's wound. She seems to be starting to wake up. Moraine's got mm-hmm. little signs of life here. She's whispering something. Leanne comes back, says uh, what they found. They, they found what they're looking for and ask if she can ride. Nynaeve says the poultries? Poultice. Poultice. Yeah. Poultice? We'll give her energy for a few hours, but after that, meh. So in essence, what she's saying is like, I've done, I kind of patched her up a little bit here, but I'm not sure if she's really fixed or not. Then we see Moraine's, Moraine's eyes open, and we cut scenes. Now to Matt, who's waking, um, walking up to the person who was killed in the cage, that standing torture device thing that I talked about before that seems to be on the like outskirts of town. Matt takes out a knife, and we hear, What are you doing, boy? It's the Gleeman. Matt takes out his knife, points it at him. Matt says, uh, I could ask the same of you, Gleeman. Gleeman says, well, um, if you mess with that, uh, if you do anything with that knife, uh, you're going to be like lights out before you even hurt me, basically. Uh, in essence, what he's saying is I'm laying in this situation, okay? <laughs> I could handle your business right now. And Matt, I've survived Trollocs. I've not survived Trollocs to die at the hands of a singer. Interesting he kind of threw that out. Do you think that was kind of like a... I fought bigger men before, sort of thing, like kind of like a macho, like I fought Trollocs, dude. You don't want to play with me. Yeah, I, I think that's what it is. Um, there's a lot that was in the books about these boys that I don't know if they're trying to hint at with some of the conversations that they have in mm-hmm. terms of like how comfortable they are with weapons, or at least like maybe knives and you know basic things that they would have in town. Um, but this does kind of seem like a boast with what we've seen in the show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're trying to like bring that in or like they could go either way. Again, this is sort of one of those things that there's a lot of stuff that's streamlined. So the other thing that I would say about this too is it seems like Matt's just thrown out this like, well, I've, I've messed with Trollocs. And in the books, there is some, you know, commentary or the boys learn that they shouldn't just say things Mm -hmm. like they need to learn to lie and not say oh i know what a trollic is because to everybody else like if you know what a trollic is you're probably a dark friend Mm -hmm. like you're somebody bad 
that was my thought is like that might not be a thing you yeah. lead with like yeah. hey man and I'm so I think it's interesting that he just tossed that out there because that's a very like consistent with the books like and we do get that this reaction from Tom that I, I think you're gonna yep. say yep. right now yeah he says um, well first off dude I'm not here for you I'm here to bury the dead guy but what kind of farm boy from two rivers has met a truck now that's like who says I'm from two rivers he's been lying He's not told anybody he's from Two Rivers. Gleeman mm-hmm. says, it's written all over you. Your speech, your dress, your asinine attitude, stubborn as a mule. Uh, pretty funny. Gleeman tells Matt to help him get the dead guy down. Matt asks what he did. And then the Gleeman starts to explain the story. He says, this isn't justice. I heard them in town bragging about killing an isle. Ale? Isle. Isle? Isle? It's A-I-E-L. Isle. I want to say. Matt, he's an isle? And Gleeman, am I saying it wrong? Ale? We've been saying it wrong for 20 years, so... Aiel is, yeah, I, I think. Aiel? Aiel is how they're doing it in the show. All right, let's try, try to stay consistent with that then. He says, um, uh, Matt, he's an Aiel. Gleeman, aren't many things outside of accent and dress that will tell you where a person's from? That was a pretty astute thing mm-hmm. to say. Uh, but it's rare to see that color of hair outside the Aiel waist. Got red hair. So uh, there we go. We're starting to get some backstory and lore in this canon, which is, you got red hair, you're probably an Aiel. Mm-hmm. Gleeman says he knows uh, they're fighters. Oh, uh, Matt Matt uh, says, okay, Aiel. And then he immediately reacts and says, well, I heard they're as bad as Trollocs. And Gleeman says, well, I know you've probably heard that. They're fighters, but they're honor-bound fighters. He makes the point that it's only when they're veiled that you should worry. Again, we're, I love how they're peppering in all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, the casual is not going to remember all this stuff, but they are giving us some stuff that I'm sure we're going to need to know later, which is... You know, basically, these Aeels, they are fighters, but only when they're veiled you need to worry. If they're unveiled, you're probably okay. That's, uh, he talks about when they're veiled, uh, that's when you're as good as dead, basically. Now, he was no threat. He was murdered by cowards who feared something they didn't understand. So, in essence, what seems to have happened here is this Aeel who was unveiled, so not a threat, not there to fight, the reputation of the Aeels sort of preceded them, and the people of the town freaked out and killed them. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm picking up. Clement asked him again, dude, I'm going to ask you one more time. What are you doing here? Matt finally drops the pretense. I need money to get home. Thought he might have some. Not like he's going to need it. I thought there's no... I, I was sure that the Gleeman was going to be like... Uh, he, he's there to bury him, right? Yeah. Like He obviously respects the dead. I thought there was no way he was going to let Matt do this. And he just goes, we've all had desperate moments. Tell me when you're finished. And he walks away to let Matt rob the body. I mean, I kind of like that they're going this way with Tom Maryland because it's very he's super practical like super super practical and he's like I get it and like you're clearly needing like needing help in this world and I'm I'm not gonna like up just bail you out of every situation so like I get it okay I also thought I I really liked this moment and BJ I thought in addition to that what it really did for me especially the way this actor portrayed this line, delivered this line, is that it tells me a lot about Tom Marilyn's backstory, too, um, and about, like, where he has come from. Um, and because I believed in that moment that he has been in that desperate situ- right. situation. Right, he's before. hit like that, bottom. That is from personal experience, not just something you say. Probably. Yeah, I take that, too. Mac gets... Matt goes to the body, he takes this stone that we saw before. The stone is kind of, um, it looks like almost like quartz or something. It's like white on the outside, but there's a there's a purple center to like it. Like an amethyst mm-hmm. maybe yeah. or yeah. something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, then he tells the body, which I thought was pretty interesting, I've got sisters I need to take care of. So I think he's feeling a little guilt of robbing the dead. A little bit. He does have one other thing 
which won't mean anything to you and is just a call out to people that have read the books, mm -hmm. which is a uh, little stone figurine of a dog. Um, and that's past where Sarah's read, I think. So yeah. um, yeah. it okay. was a little call out, something that it might be worth, you know, you don't have a wall like Spencer with, you know, all the, the red lines connecting all of the things that you need to, you know, pay attention to later. But if you remember probably like a couple seasons down the road, you'll be like, oh, that's cute that they put that in there. Figurine of a dog. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Okay. Matt announces he's done. Then the Gleeman says, if you're going to take from the dead, at least you can bury, at least you can do is bury him. So he's like, you're going to, you're, I'll let you do this, but now you're going to help me bury mm -hmm. this guy. Cut to the waitress named Dana. We get the name in the scene. She's asking Rand if he's from Barillon as well. And Rand's like, well, why would you say that? She's like, well, Matt said you're from Barillon. And Rand's like, oh, yeah, I'm from Barillon. Yeah, yeah, totally. So Barillon, adorably Barillon, Barillon. stupid. That's me. That's me. Uh, she's like, well, why'd you leave? Why'd you leave? And he says, well, we needed to get away. She asks if they're in trouble. She asks again where he's going. And he says, east. She says, well, maybe I can help you, Dana. And here I am, just hearing what I want to be seen. Rand, seen what, Dana? Stone of Tears, the Lion Throne of Camille. Camelin. Camelin mm -hmm. and Ogier Steading. Yep. Maybe even a Trollic. So uh, I'm guessing this is just tick through a shit from the books. And what she's saying is, I'm listening to your stories and I, I just want to hear that you have gone and saw cool things that I wish I could go do, in essence, is what she's saying to this guy. We're gonna ask her why why don't you why don't you leave? Like why if you're you know, this hard up for a road trip, why don't you just go? And she says, Well, the wheel hasn't given me many choices and the ones I've made have left me here. Rand says, he never gave much thought to the wheel before this. He's trying to do what's right. Now, I don't know. I don't know what's right. I don't know what to do. I don't know shit, really. Join the club, Rand. <laughs> she's a little bit more uh, introspective in, in, in this version than in the book. That, that he's like, okay, yeah, I don't really know anything. Comes to this much earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She leans in to kiss him, and he backs away immediately and starts to apologize. I'm just going to say this. Completely, completely unrealistic. Absolutely, this guy. Like... Come on. He's, first off, he's not really in a relationship with Queen. Not nope. really. And Well, he is, maybe but she really is. Maybe he like that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no. I, how old? This guy's maybe 20 years old. Yeah, I think sure. that's yeah, what yeah, they yeah. said. Yeah. That, that's with the age thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He'd have taken a run at this waitress mm -hmm. all day, every day. Yes. I hung out with a lot of 20-year-olds in my day. I'll tell you. He'd have taken <laughs> a run at this waitress and never told anybody about it. So that that is unrealistic. So, yes. yes, sure. But this character in the books, this is fairly consistent. Yeah. So... That he'd be like, ah, pretty much boom, everybody oh, does not react well to aggressive women in the books to start out with. And this is probably just a nod to that as well. well. Yeah, but I will, like, this is where it gets a little tricky with the way they've aged mm -hmm. the characters mm -hmm. up from the books. Because in the books, they're like 16 instead of 20. And so, like, they're awkward. 16-year-old moderately kicking around at the waitress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they are pretty consistently awkward. It's also a little... It was one of the worst things about the books that they were consistently awkward. Yes. Um, but I think that this is where the aging up gets tricky when you try to stay true to scenes like this mm -hmm. in the book because they don't, I agree with you, Lee, they don't yeah. read as... Quite as true as they should. I was 100% like surprised mm -hmm. as well. I was just like, what is he doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he's already been like, all right, I'm not doing anything with, with Egwene. And, mm -hmm. and I've asked you to have a drink here in my room. We're yeah. sitting here flirting. Yeah. There's not a soul around. She's already said, nobody can hear anything in here. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I was a little surprised. He backs away. He starts to apologize. She says, I shouldn't have braided it, should I? It makes me look too much like her, doesn't it? And then it's like this sort of um, 
the wrestling heel turn, you know, yeah. where the person goes, Whoa. yeah, where they're on the mic and then they go, and I'll tell you another thing about Cincinnati that I hate and like the Cincinnati is <laughs> like screaming. That that was the real like sort of like pivot heel turn and of this, this character because she shuts the door and then it and it's like an oh shit moment yeah. as a viewer. Um, and then we get a series of dialogue from this character that is fucking wild. Like it's really crazy some of the shit she's saying and that she knows. She says it makes me look too much like her, doesn't it? And Rand says, who? And she says, Igwene. And Rand's like, what? And he says, I, I really like you, Rand. I think it would be better if you get on the bed. Rand asks, how do you know Igwene? Speaking for the entire everybody. <laughs> she again says, I think you need to get on the bed. Rand starts to make a move uh, for uh, like a weapon or something. And they fight for a little bit until she pulls out a sword and puts it at his throat. Like point, actually pointed at his chest, really. What are you doing? Dana, waiting for Matt. I need him too. Dana says she didn't know he'd be this sweet. It makes what she's doing much harder. It's a wild scene. Yep. When she says a queen, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You know, a queen. Like, it's, it really is disorienting because we haven't so far in the story gotten those sort of like soothsayer and all-knowing people like even like moraine who's the most powerful person that we know still has to ask people fucking names like you know <laughs> like we haven't gotten this before so mm-hmm. it's pretty strange cuts to the gleeman and matt gleeman is saying some words over the dead body gleeman introduces himself as tom Marilyn. i will start calling him tom Marilyn from now on matt asks, now that we're acquaintances you gonna give me my money back can i have my satchel back so you I, don't ask, you don't get. Yes, yeah. uh, I do want to say that the words he says are important. Uh, important, okay. and um, I mean not. You'll hear them again, um, but it's uh, may you find water and shade, um, and it it is something that that it's I, like a ritualistic thing. I will, thing I will put money have. down that you will hear it again. Yes. in this show, may you find water, water and, shade. and shade. Yep. Okay, maybe we should end our podcast that way. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. May you find water and shade. I'm, I'm not opposed I'm to that. I'm not opposed to that. I, mean, I think we should close with that. Would be a better. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, that's, that's what, what he said. That's an end our podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, said absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Okay. yeah, absolutely. That's what we should do. I see you. Um, anyway, he does give him the money back, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so he reaches to give him his money back, and Matt already has it. I didn't catch I, didn't I, I catch thought he gave that. it to him. Oh, he did? Yeah. yeah. I thought, I, gave I, it I thought he like reached into his pouch to get it and Matt already had no, it. I no, I don't think so. All right. uh-uh. I think you might have missed that one because he, 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 I think Tom does give it back to him. And then Tom says, I see you denied me the opportunity. Take care, lad. Don't oh, let me. Oh. Right. That's why yeah. I said he denied him the opportunity. And that's so I'm pretty sure Matt stole huh. it back. Matt stole it back. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Which is an interesting, like, why, why would Matt ask? Hey, have my money back. Screw with him. If he's already yeah. taken it. Yeah. It's just an yeah. interesting like I so they characterization. because I think they had this back and forth where Tom was just like, No, like listen here, boy, like you don't know who you're messing with and Matt's Matt like well was just like hold on a second, like I'm not the the total country bump. But I am a pretty good thief. I think that it's also like it just um thinking strategically about what the scene is is doing is that it gives the opportunity for the viewer to see that Tom Marilyn actually was going to give the money back, which yes. says a lot about his character um, and establishes a lot about kind of his relationship with Matt that is... That, that's as true. Well, right? And, yeah. and I think that... And, and Matt immediate, like, immediately says, like, I have it, and I don't know. I think they approach it in a light way to, like, hopefully establish that they're... 
Oh have yeah, a there's a report here. here. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we yeah. get that 100%. See, denying me the opportunity to take care of lad. Don't let me find you hanging in a cage one day, huh? Tom takes off. Uh, so good eye there, BJ, that Matt had actually stolen it back before he asked. That's a, that's a good call. Cut to, um, where are we at? Cut to Rand raising sand hell. And uh, Dana says the door is thick and reinforced, so you're not going to be able to open it. There's no way you could possibly open this door. Not happening, not this day, not any day. And Rand keeps hitting the door over and over and over again, and he busts through it. So I think what we're meant to take from that is Rand's like sort of abnormally strong, right? Like he's chopped the uh, entire forest of wood, and she's like, there's no way you could bust that door open, and he fucking does it like in four tries. So I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm taking that as Rand is very strong. Uh... This surprises Dana. Rand takes off, seeing Matt in the street. He mm-hmm. says, we gotta go, she's gotta, and then he goes. And they are running down the street and Dana's chasing them with a sword in hand. They finally come to a stop. And Matt asks Dana what she's doing. Dana, I see you at night in my dreams, all five of you, but only one of you matters. Only one of you can be it, the dragon. This blows them back, obviously. Rand asks her who she is, and she says, it doesn't matter who I am. It matters who I'm gonna be. The last time someone brought the dragon to the Dark One, we still remember his name 3,000 years on, Ishmael. And to think, of all the people who serve the Dark One, it'll be me who brings them to you this time. So this is, it, I mean, it does really, to what you were saying, Sarah, it does sort of track with her character, right? Which is, I'm trying, I need to take it out of here. And right now it's, I, I, get, I see these people, the Dark One wants these people. If I take them, I can have glory. And I absolutely get out of this town. I think it's interesting though that I see you in my dreams thing. So the, the dream, dream, we're starting to like really, dreams are really important in this world, obviously. And yep. Maureen's told everybody that, right? That yeah. she said dreams important. are important. But like, so yeah, she's telling people that, but the common people obviously believe that already because mm-hmm. she's getting these dreams and taking them very seriously if she's now acting in this way based on her dream. Right. Where she's dreamed about them before. Mm-hmm. Dana starts explaining that the Dark One doesn't... He's like, Rand basically like, you really going to let the Dark One kill me? And Dana's like, uh, the Dark One doesn't want to kill you. That's what the Aes Sedai want. He wants you to save us. Can't you see that? The wheel keeps turning and people keep hurting. Every man who comes to this shit town has a story. Flood, drought, war, sisters murdering their brothers, children killing their parents. But the dragon, the dragon has a chance to change all that. Break the wheel. Make it stop. I think is a pretty good piece of dialogue here mm-hmm. from her yeah and i think yeah. um you start to see i think the appeal of the quote dark one yeah um uh, kind of well i'm it i'll make the comparison it's kind of like a harry potter type thing right um like you can see the appeal of some people to voldemort of how they're like well he'll if he's powerful he can stabilize things he can make a better world uh, i'll yeah. go with this guy because He'll, he'll fix some of this crap that we've been dealing with. And in essence, that's kind of what she's saying. She's like, look, the Dark One's just trying to help fix all this mm-hmm. crap that we deal with, all of the natural disasters, all of the war, et cetera, et cetera. I there think, will be no more pain. Yeah, I mean, I think they're leaning a little bit into uh, certain mythos where like, you're reborn until you can achieve a certain state where you're no longer reborn, and that's sort of the ideal. And then the dragon has the ability to do that for everybody of breaking the cycle of rebirth and suffering, depending on, I guess, how you look at the wheel. And so I think with her uh, speech and with Tam's speech, we get the two different views on what spinning your thread out again in the wheel is, is about. Like it, whether it's just suffering and things just go to, go to shit, 
or like you just keep trying to do better every time you're spun out and like to me that's sort of like the the balancing views maybe of like this continual cycle and the yang when did you read this book series uh, started in the nineties. Okay, so when, so when Danny in season five says, "I'm not going to stop the wheel," or six, season six, "I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel in Game of Thrones." Were you like, "Ah, oh, the fuck on with the wheel? Like, oh, shit. Break the wheel! Give me a break, Martin." Um, I'm like it's it's not unique to Jordan. I mean, there yeah. there were a whole bunch of things because I mean, you keep bringing this up, and it's actually really funny because. So the, the group of friends that, that I grew up with, we read these books together and we read Game of Thrones. So I had read the first two books uh, in the late, mid to late 90s, like shortly after they came out. So I think that um, it was probably book four that I got in hardback because I would have had to wait for the paperback. Mm-hmm. Um, to get that into it, yeah. Yeah, the paperbacks were out. By the time I, I think I read maybe the third book. I'm not even talking about the books here because I think that line from Danny is something completely show created. Yeah. And that break the wheel thing. And it makes me think like, yeah. man, that's that's real close here. Yeah, break it, the wheel 100%. Thing. But what I was going to say is like there's a, there are a lot of similarities. And I would say like it's it's they're drawing on similar sources. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, I think that um, this might – like I don't really know where they got it from this I think a yet. lot of our listeners are probably going to be like, he needs to shut up about Game of Thrones. I do think that there are going to be some, though, who are going to say it's important to call that line out because HBO used that in promo after promo. I mean, that – I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. They shoved it down our throats for like an entire marketing mm-hmm. like season yeah. of yeah. that show. Right. I mean, I think that there are reasonable comparisons to be made. I, I think that appreciating both, I think it, for me, is the best way to go. Um, and, you know, I'll say it right here. I think that I appreciated Game of Thrones so much because I didn't do a reread right before. And I think that the divergences that they had in the books there weren't as jarring to me because I wasn't so intimately familiar with what happened in the books. Because I didn't do a reread right before the show. And so... Like why? Literally, like right before I just finished the last book minutes ago. Just <laughs> flying through it. Well, I literally finished the the third book like Woo! the day the day or two before. Like we it was fresh. We did, yeah. It was so it was super fresh, and and so like all of the changes that they make, like I know them very well, and I and then that comparison is so easy. Yeah, and I think uh, that's to your detriment for yeah, exactly. enjoying the show. And I think it's you know I just break the wheel. <laughs> For it, just because I did read the first book in preparation mm-hmm. for this, because obviously the first season is is primarily focused yeah. on the first book, right. although it's drawing in some other things. I just wanted to. It's what is not to. I'm not trying to toot my own horn on this at all because I'm not like trying to do this or anything. But I do. I find that for me, possibly because I don't pay a whole lot of attention when I'm reading <laughs> these books and don't remember a whole lot in the first really place. Really don't. But I find it really, really easy to in my head separate. The, a book series and an adaptation as just two different things. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I what they want you to do. Different yes. turnings. I, but I, I really, like, I really do. And I do that. We do, as I've mentioned before, we do this Harry Potter mm-hmm. podcast as well. And I am deeply invested in Harry Potter and actually do remember a lot. It depends on how it depends on how close you are to the series. But no, well, but what I was gonna say is that like I find it perfectly like I don't have any trouble differentiating like these are different the movies and the books there these are different things and I just think that it's two different ways of approaching yeah how you're consuming like a 
a world story and, and a world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all I wanted to say. I think that there's some of the, like, you're excited to see certain things and how they're going to portray them. And when they don't, it's it's a little bit of a letdown. That, and, yeah. And, you know, people I, I can see that. Yeah. No, I can, so, I can see that. I understand it. Just I'm just saying that what my experience yeah. is in, in viewing and reading, especially yeah. fantasy series, right. how, they, how they compare. Um, that's just I think the too. lesson here for me is to be very careful about what I make jokes about because I was just trying to make a joke about the break the wheel line and, and this really spurred oh, a serious conversation it here. It spun out of control. I gotta be careful yeah. here. Uh, I was just trying to make fun of Danny being like I'm gonna break the wheel which I always thought was a corny line to begin with and then it's like and you're biting it off something? Fucking A. Do something else. Awful line. Uh, Rand says uh, well we're gonna leave. Dana says, Dana says are you? I've already called one of them. He's on his way. One of who? The Eyeless. And you count, mm-hmm. can't outrun a fade. Bang. Thank you all for telling me about the fade thing. Yep. Because I would have been like, no clue what the hell she's talking about. <laughs> Which, like, Moraine does use fade yeah. at the um, high towers. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. It's a little hard. Yeah. It is yeah. a little hard. Yeah. I don't know. It, that, it's like, I was thinking golf. I mean, you know, like, you have a bad fade. Fade. <laughs> it's really hard to deal with a left hand uh, dog like left. Uh, her eyes look super crazy in this moment. Yes. She does yeah. transform. Yep. And she gets super crazy. I think she's just swelling with power. And she's going to... Add, and then, pfft, dead. Uh, and the <laughs> big sword right in the back of her throat. Second time we get this in the series. It's a knife. Yeah. It's a knife. Yeah. No, a knife. Yep. Second time we get this in the series, which is, you know, you're seeing someone's face. And then you get the, like, you know, yep. the thing come out yep. through their mm-hmm. through their mouth uh, from the gouge in the back of the head. And Dana's dead. R.I.P. Dana. It was a good run. Yeah. Is yep. that Tom's music? Yep. There he is. And he, you know what's cool about Tom and his entrance here is it's uh it's the, the throw off screen. Yeah. You cut and it's nobody there. And then he yeah. walks up and he's like, ta da. Like, from I'm all fucking, the way back there. I threw that shit from all the way back there. Uh I no Rand is really stupid because he starts to chastise <laughs> Tom. He's like, What are you doing? So he's like, Have you did you not hear boy? <laughs> She's a dark friend, sworn body and soul of the dark one. We need to leave now. She said, no, this is coming. Rand stupidly is like, I'm not leaving. Matt's like, whoa, where are you going? Uh, hey, Tom, where, where are you going, buddy? Uh, he says, east, fast, are you coming? And they take off. Um, Rand does uh, get down and take her sword as she bleeds because out. Because it's actually it, his. It's his, his sword? Yeah. Okay. So, so, so from him. Yeah. That, if that's you... in the fights, like back and forth at the end. Yeah, so if you go back to that specific sequence, you see her turn to the bed, grabs the um, she's sword, actually hits him with that, and then is actually pulling the sword and then has him at sword point. Okay, so the sword um, she's been using this whole time sword. is his sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, skeezy move from Dana there. Doesn't even have her own weapon. Yep. Um, and I do want to call back, I don't know if you noticed, when uh, Tom and Matt were talking earlier in front of the aisle in the cage, um, and Matt pulls out his dagger. Uh, Tom had a knife in his hand. He's already like got he, it. He like ready dropped a knife yeah, in yeah, his yeah, hand yeah. from up his sleeve. Yeah, I did see that. Okay. Yeah, he, he's he's ever ready. You don't yeah. want yes. you don't want to run up on Tom. Yeah. You got to be very yeah. careful with this guy. Yes. Uh, seems like he's been around. He knows how to fight, and he does kill Dana. Uh, R.I.P. Dana. I think uh, maybe maybe like uh, guest actress Emmy here. Are we talking for this one? This this lady did a great job. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was really impressed with. Yeah. That. The, any of so, those one episode acting worthy Emmys, I think we got to put her up for. So we know, you know, those of us that have read the books were kind of just like, oh yeah, it makes sense that Tom and the boys go off. But what did you think about 
Tom basically being like, hey, you guys coming? Like, let's go. Versus Tom being like, hmm, you guys are up to some crazy shit. I'm I'm going to peace. Good luck. It, it only works for me because it's he's been consistent in every scene we've seen that he is mentoring them in some way. Mm, like he, okay. like, he starts right out with, I taught you a lesson. He, he was going to readily, I thought he did, but BJ enlightened me. Like he, he was going to give him this thing back. He teaches him a lesson about like, look, dude, here's the situation with this guy and the veil and the whole thing. I just get the sense from Tom that he's very friendly and that he wants to, he, he naturally takes care of people. It seems like he wants to take care of them okay. is what I'm seeing. Not quite naive level, but like, you know, he wants to take <laughs> yeah, care. Right. So yeah. the fact that they went off together is not too hard to, to intake. And I will also say selfishly, I really liked the character mm-hmm. and I wanted more of him. So when he paired up with him, I was like, woohoo, yeah, where yeah. did I get mm-hmm. Tom in the next not a so. Not another cool character throwaway. <laughs> not a one, one episode <laughs> Emmy nominee. No, I think we're going to get more Tom Marilyn, and I am happy about that. I liked I liked his character a Good. lot, for sure. Now, when she's bleeding out, I, did we get the same thing? Did we get the same little weird No, but thing? did you see what happened with the it, blood? Well, it bled out, and then it ended up bleeding into the forest line yep. for the yeah, next yeah. scene. Yep. I just didn't yeah. know if it yeah, made that shape. No, there was no shape. So what I think, and now this makes sense as to why they had the dragon's thing in the first one, at least for me, like that shapes matter. And then that they focused in on Dana ble- bleeding out, and so everybody's like, "Oh, watching the blood. Is it going to make a dragon's fang?" And then it fades into the next scene, and so it catches your eye and it shows you that transformation or that transition, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Sarah, what did you think of the bleeding out to the tree line to the running to the people like that, that whole thing? So I thought that the the transition itself was really cool. I gotta say, the color of the blood coming out on the dark ground, awfully red. <laughs> So, but in the dark, you got to figure it was a carotid cut. Like I actually yeah. was fairly happy with how it was coming okay. out, Freshly pooling, and it was clotting as it was pooling. I, it was I was not like, the movement this is that was bad reasonable. for me. It was the color that was yeah. bad yeah. for me. Like that that's little bit bright. It was a bit bright. Yeah, and particularly because like it, we are in the dark. It is yes. full night at this point, and it's bleeding onto dark ground. Yeah, that was the that's the fair. transition, the movement. I was fine with. It was simply the color that I was like, mm, I don't. Mm. So I think they I don't have a whole lot of experience with this blood, but like. Well, that I can tell you that at least right. in reasonable lighting, that's not not bad. Okay. That is that is pretty reasonable. Um, so I was gonna say I think they took some notes from a lot of the complaints from Game of Thrones about really dark scenes all the time. That a lot of the nighttime shots that we're getting mm-hmm. aren't particularly dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that's certainly fair. But like nine through the woods. I mean, it's okay to be a little dark. If people complain about that. That was dumb. Uh, I, I my thing with the the blood to the tree line, that was that was okay. I, I you know it was obviously visually interesting mm-hmm. an impressive mm-hmm. thing that they did. Be careful with that though. Too many mm-hmm. of those cutesy transitions yeah. and it starts to seem a little hokey. So does, like, let's just yeah. limit them. It does have a little bit of the. Well, I I agree with you. I I liked this one, but it does have a little bit of the sort of PowerPoint slide transition. Yes, it. it's a worry, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> if that becomes what you do, yeah. it's yeah. a problem. Um, do it for a purpose, not because you can. We pan down from the tree line and we see Lan, who's got Moraine with him and Nynaeve riding. We look up and we see someone on horseback watching them. Lan says, Moraine, we need you now. Whoop! Wakes up. She's able to wake up as soon as he says that and it seems like he's very seriously. He's very serious when he says that. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna chalk that up to the connection there that those two have. That when he really needs her to wake up, that she can sense that, and she does. Then we see a lady with a red cloak. I think reminiscent of what we saw in the very opening scene of episode one. 
on a horse moving toward them. Great drone shots at this meeting. Wow, mm-hmm. they have got some. They got a drone company. Whoever wrote that purchase order, absolutely signed that one all day long. They're earning their money. The drone shots in this are great. And the lady on the horses says, Moraine Sedai, Linendrin Sedai. If you're here to help, you're too late. Oh, didn't you hear? We captured a man calling himself the Dragon Reborn. That should be confusing to everyone because we already we think we know that one of the that one of the four kids that we have is a dragon that the dragon has to be 20 years old. We have all this stuff that we thought we knew about the dragon, and now this lady who's clearly nice to die or at least knowledgeable about this world says, "No, we captured somebody. We already got him. We got our guy." And he comes out in a big cage. They're clearly thinking seriously because it's a very serious, big, moving cage, and. It's a guy, and we don't recognize him, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he's more than 20 years old. Yeah, he looks kind of old. He did. So one comment, though, I think, again, listening to the way, what she says and the specific words that she says, because she's an I said I, she says, we captured a man calling himself the Dragon Reborn. Mm -hmm. So that means that she's not saying he is the Dragon Reborn. She's saying he was calling himself the Dragon Reborn. But... She, why I think she thought, why I thought she was taking it seriously is she said before that, if you're here to help, you're too late. Oh, you didn't hear? So that, that to me, that implies that she does believe this guy. So Interesting. The other thing that I want to mention is this is the same actress that we had in the cold open of the first episode mm-hmm. with the other man that, that was being chased down. Yeah, the very first scene of everything. Okay, it I, is the same lady. Okay, yeah. so I wrote down same lady and then I deleted it because I, I looked at her face. I thought it was a little different. It, are we sure it's, it's the same, the same lady? Yes. yes. Okay. It, all right. It did, it did look, it was reminiscent yeah, yeah. and I caught that. I just wasn't 100% sure, so I yep. throw it out there. Also, good catch about the reds. That That, that is something to, to keep in the back of your head. Okay, good. And we end looking at this guy who apparently had been running around calling himself Dragon Reborn. He's in a cage. End of episode. Um, a couple of other things to note that there are a bunch of other Aesidae, uh, or at least women in yes. different colors different colors that are with them. They're like eight, um, six to eight, something like that. Um, so just, we'll, so we'll see them again next episode. Here's what I'm going to take from There's this. There's a pack. Could be absolutely wrong, but here's going to be my assumption, is that they're safe now. There was some Aesidae, so they should be safe. Cool. That's my assumption. Okay. Seems reasonable. All right. Um, let's go through our the rest of our sections. Woo! Segments. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so we have uh, Tavern of the Week. Tavern. Tavern. Um, Tavern. Tavern. Whatever it is. I'm going to keep calling it Tavern, Tavern. because uh, I am not blessed and I get to make those decisions. Um, so um, I am going to start with you, Brie, um, and make you... Uh, Make the decision, then we'll go around, and then you can uh, make the decision. Revise as. Four. Exactly. As <laughs> right, so she's going to yeah. give her nominee, we'll exactly. go around, and then she will make the call. Yes. Exactly. I like yes. it. Yes. Make, her, make her give That's the nominee good. first. I like that. Well, seeing as I have the power to decide yeah. on Taveran, I'm actually going to call our one-hit wonder, Dana, <laughs> the Taveran of the week. Because she nailed that. Yeah, mm-hmm. R.I.P. But, like, fantastic, really, like, a well- like fleshed out character that we get lots of really good interaction with. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm uh, disappointed that we're not going to see her again. But anyway, so she's my tavern of the week. Okay, Lee. Oh wow, I thought you were going to go, man. He's so you're not. People listening to this are not going to know, but BJ completely changed 100 percent the way we were doing this before. Very he was a different person, and he went clockwise instead of counterclockwise. Yeah. Don't appreciate that. 
uh, upsetting me. We uh, are creatures of habit. I'm pretty sure I went clockwise starting with you, Lee, the last time. It does, uh, that, anyway. that really doesn't matter to the listener, really. <laughs> All they need to know is it's different. It's, yeah, it's yeah, the wrong yeah, way. Anyway. Um, uh, so I'm going to say my Tavern of the Week this week, she's already picked Dana. I think Dana's a pretty good call. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick someone else, I'm going to say my guy, Tom Merrillin. Mm. Yep, that, mm-hmm. that's a good choice. I was I was leaning that way as well. well inter- isn't it interesting though? First two nominations, and we get the first two. First mm-hmm. two off the board are not our main characters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely Jeff, not. Introduced this yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah, and actually, I have to say these are, those are both my those were my one first and runner up as well. And I know I like objectively I should pick someone outside of those for, but because I'm going to give a little spoiler to my our next uh, Gleeman's Corner segment my nominee comes from this character and it's all wrapped up together i gotta go dana for mine as well dana. most interesting character i i do well i'm doing it um <laughs> and we go. i'm a woman who doesn't hear no often so <laughs> you are not but that i i and i will talk about this more when we do the gleeman's corner and i i pick my actual quote from her but like i feel like not only did that actress do a great job not only was the character like kind of interesting but what we get from that character over the course of this episode fleshes out so much of the world and how like regular people are really navigating things that we have not gotten at all mm-hmm. I'm super into it. I feel like it makes it a much more nuanced. She, she as a character makes this world much more nuanced in ways that I really appreciate. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think those are basically the top two choices. Um, and so I will we'll put in the running um, Nynaeve. We get a lot more about her as we're going. Um, and we blunt her anger issues a little bit. We get a little bit of banter with Lan. There's more than just, I'm going to project these kids and I'm an angry lady. So uh, I think that, I know that she's a character that we're going to see a lot more of. And so I, I like this, that we're getting a little bit more fleshing out. Um, and I would definitely co-sign that. I think Nynaeve, this, this Nynaeve that we're getting is more interesting to me than book Nynaeve at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I really like the interaction with Lan that they've been building. Mm-hmm. That was that was fun to see. Who you pick? I'm a hundred percent still Dana. We did, we well, you did have two votes for it as yeah, well. So. Yeah, we it's a very easy decision. Yeah, We're definitely board, leaning, yeah. uh, you know, heavy dark friend on this one. Yes, yes. Um, but if I think yeah. if we had, if we had to pick one of our main characters, though, I would uh, I'm not a big fan of this guy, but I think Lan had a pretty strong episode. I think he did. Yeah. Um, he found yeah, a town. Yeah. For God's sakes, found a town, and mm-hmm. then he did a pretty good job while he was there. You mean Rand? Rand, that's what yeah. Rand. Okay. Rand. Yeah. yeah. So Rand. and Rand. and the other thing with Rand is that you Rand, you Rand, see Rand. that he's a he's an honest worker, right? Yes. Like he's like, yeah. hey, yeah. you know, I don't get something for nothing. I'm happy to chop the wood. And he does it. And he does you it know, well. Like he can does I just stay under a tarp. He doesn't complain. You know, he's he's gonna do honest what he needs. to a fault. Raised well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Damn, yes. his father raised him well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so you know, in that spirit, uh, in terms of Gleeman's corner quote or dialogue slash scene of the week i will go first and then we'll you know go in sort of the similar order as this is your choice um and so i'm going to go with uh matt's line you're funny now that's a new wrinkle because (laughs) it's a really funny line and it just it it tickles that the book reader who who knows like what these characters were portrayed of otherwise and and i like that they threw it in i thought it was really 
fun to have that repose there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brie, go ahead with yours. Ooh, I've got so many things that I really enjoy. Well, you gotta choose one. Yeah, choose one. Okay. Um, ooh. All right, then I'm gonna go with. I think I'm gonna go with the Tom being, you know, when they're when they're going back, or well, when Tom and Matt meet over the aisle, and Matt's gonna seal from the aisle, and Tom's like, "We've all had des- desperate moments. Tell me when you're finished." And I think that's just a beautiful, like we've talked about before. Tom's very practical, and he's like, "You know what? I've I've been there. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not gonna judge you." Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really cool little character building moment. How's it going? Um, okay, so for me, okay, I'm going to maybe pick one that might surprise y'all a little bit. I'm going with, let's see if I can find Yeah, Dana. So Dana is talking to Rand and says, where we're born in this dirt, spend our whole lives digging in it until one day they cover us up with a few shovelfuls of the same stuff. All these bastards know everything about me. The ones that have stuck around have known me since I was a girl. I mean, it's a great, great, well-written line. I don't know if they pulled that from the book or not, but it's just well-written. But also, I think it's, I, I love in these high fantasy series when we get just a little snippet of what the walking around normal right. person mm-hmm. is. Because yes. too, so often, we're dealing with the royalty. We're dealing with the most important people in this world. And what is it like for just the commoner? And this is kind of a little bit of a a window in that. Mm -hmm. So I want to build on that actually really quick. And just what comes from that next part where I think she's talking to Matt, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, oh, well, whatever. Anyway, but she also, no, I'm pretty sure it's Matt. Yeah, it was Matt. It's Matt. Matt. Because it was particularly poignant for Matt because Matt comes from the poorest of the poor. He's about to to serve the drinks. Yeah. And, Yeah, Yeah, and... And she's like, no one knows the dirt you're born in, which is a very like, you could, you could become someone new. Mm-hmm. And I think for Matt, that's something that he's gonna take to heart a little bit. Put yeah. that on a t-shirt. No one knows yeah. the dirt you're born in. <laughs> um, and like, actually, so mine building on that, I've, I already <laughs> said I was gonna go back to to Dana, um, but I want to go to the end um, where mm. you know she is confronting um, confronting Rand and, and Matt, um, but specifically Rand and. Um, is talking kind of about really well anyway the dark one doesn't want to kill them it doesn't want to kill you that's what the ice die want when we get to that scene right the wheel keeps turning and people keep hurting every man who comes to this shite town has a story flood drought war sisters murdering their brothers children killing their parents but the dragon the dragon has the chance to change all that break the wheel make it stop I know that's a little bit of a hokey ending, but what I love about this moment and this line is that it it gets at a little bit of the what are normal people doing in their everyday lives in these types of worlds. But what it also does for me is it fleshes out in ways that I find more convincing than the book why Absolutely. somebody would become a dark friend, why somebody would be doing this. Because I don't think that she has just been manipulated by some force or by the dark one or whatever to think this i think that this is the reality of her life and it's awful it's awful and she legitimately doesn't see another option other than to do something different and to go with this and to have that like actual like i get this reasoning of why she would go this route 
I don't think that really exists in the book. It doesn't exist in the first book anyway. When mm-hmm. we're when we're really seeing why we'll get to that. Um, oh, and I think it's that. So if you're right, right, that yeah. dynamic of she's not she's not a brainwasher. She's just naturally has flocked to the banner of the dark one because of her life circumstance and the what she's heard. If that's true. Then there might be just a fuck ton of people who support the dark one. That's yeah, out there. I mean that's kind of scary for our. I think it's I think it's both and for her. Um, I think we we get we probably get some evidence of that because she does start talking about her dreams that yeah. like something something else is clearly going on here. But I don't think that that's everything that's happening. I think that it is also we need something different. The world is not right. Right. Yeah. So and I think this is so you bring up a great point, Lee is. She's also there to show us that normal people yeah. that are apparently happy mm-hmm. and going about their lives can be out and after our main characters. And yep. she does throw it out there. Yep. She talks about like the people that are dark friends. And she mm-hmm. like lists a couple, you know, uh, I think she says queens and, and fishermen. You know, fishermen. Mm-hmm. Like she just tosses out mm-hmm. a bunch of different mm-hmm. professions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um all great points. And so if I was going with my favorite line of the episode, I might have even gone with uh, if I wanted a man, I could do better from Rand. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty darn um, good. Snappy. But this is the best line of, of the episode. And I, and again, for lore building, for the things that the show is doing, sorry, I have to give it to you. That line, um, and again, we'll get into it, and I'm just going to say it. like Something like that was not here in the books. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice to have it because it makes you understand the evil. And I think that understanding the evil in the world makes the series, makes the show, makes the media that you're consuming much more interesting mm-hmm. rather than it's a very, very high fantasy. It's the capital E evil and you understand it in the world a lot better. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, I, last segment before the end of the first part where we then right. dip into books and spoilers um, technically, have, two segments. Technically, technically two segments. Technically, yeah. Um, so but, I get to do a little theory crafting. Yeah. So theory crafting. So we're calling it analysis notes and dragon power rankings. Dragon power rankings. Okay. So we will start with the the theories of the episode. Uh, so my big one here. Uh, yeah. I'm just you know I'm gonna try to settle on just one big one an episode. Sure. I think that's important. We like it. We like Last it. Last episode, I'd like the I'd like the ledger to state that I am on board that the wolves are not all bad. That was from the last one. This one, I think, what we're gonna learn. And it's the tone of this lady who greets uh, Lan and our newly awoken uh, Moraine is that Moraine is not the leader of the Aes Sedai by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think. I think she's just one of them. I think we're going to like, I think she's going to be our hero. I think we're going to root for her. But I think what we're going to learn is that there's politics involved with the Aes Sedai. It's going to be a pain in the ass for her to deal with them and negotiate with them. And it's not going to be as clean as all I said I good, all everybody else bad who opposes them. I think we're going to, through her interactions with the I said I that we just saw and maybe some others at the White Tower, like we're going to learn that she's trying to do the right thing. She's good hearted. Land's good hearted. But they're being stopped from inside as well as outside is my, my guess. And so we're, we're going to get we're going to be frustrated with some I said I characters. And I think there's going to be some, some real gray area with some of the other Aes Sedai that get introduced into the story later on. That's my that's my guess. Okay. I like that guess. Probably not the greatest we'll Sedai, but we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, so dragon power rankings. Well, you mean, what do you mean? Were you making a joke about gray? I was. Yep. Okay, color. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. He's Moving making on. a joke about gray because they were red. Okay, all right, got it. 
You can't just throw these things out in the middle of theory crafting. I 100% can just throw these things out. I don't think that's true. With no explanation. You're you're being very naive about this. Not gray. Not gray. Yes. But gray in the the more. Yeah, yeah. gray. Are they good or bad? Yes. Um, All right. Dragon power rankings. Where are our four main contenders? Yeah. We we sort of have a fit. Yeah, because she says, I saw all five. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for our main, our power four, I'm going to call them. Uh, this so not a lot of sports fans at the table with me. I don't have. Yeah, those uh, are falling real fast. Really don't really don't have a lot Sorry, of sports fans. No, so instead, what I'm going to I'm going to try to explain to you all something called a bye week. This happens in everybody's <laughs> everybody's schedule where they have a bye week where they don't play anybody. And mm-hmm. uh, whenever the league has a bye week and there are no games, the power ranking stays the same. Mm-hmm. I don't think for our mm-hmm. main four, there's much movement in the power rankings because it's not that Moraine. DOA, she's just out of it all episode, and she's our she's our tap. She's what's have been tapping me into like trying to figure out who's on this list. So I'm gonna keep it exactly the same as it was last week. You got a green far and away the number one seed here. She's Kentucky circa like 2015, 31 and 0, no losses on her record. Far and away the number one below Rand, uh, three. I think you no, two, 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 Three Rand and then four pair. All right. And our introduce introduce of our new character, the guy we get right at the end. He has to be on the list. Um, below Perrin, I'm fairly certain this <laughs> okay. character running around right. telling everybody I'm the Dragon Reborn is in fact not the Dragon Reborn. <laughs> okay. uh, he gets a he gets a negative rating on the potential potential right. uh, dragon. Not not even on the list anymore. He's, no, on he's the way below. There's no way that guy. Is that just because of the fact that he got himself captured, or is that he's old? Uh, it's that he's old. It's that I I, tr- I have uh, Team Moraine over here. I have faith in her, and like she mm, obviously does okay. not think this guy's it. And I, if you are the Dragon Reborn, I'm not quite sure you're going to be running around all the villages, and be like, "Hey guys, I'm Dragon Reborn over here." He's just a guy trying to get drinks, like <laughs> trying to get some free drinks. Well, a little bit of swag. more than drinks, maybe. He's yeah. trying to get some swag. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. trying to get some. He he knows this is lore out there, and he's like, "I'm the one." Yeah, crazy. Throw he, yourself in my feet. Way with Dana. Yeah, yes. he, absolutely. Yeah, he might have met her at some point. But yeah, they're, they're, he's, he's way below. So there you go. That's the, the newbie segment. All right. Uh, All right. Crafting and Power Rankings of the Week. Part one done. Part one done. With that, I will exit. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. I enjoyed it. All right, Lee. May you always find water and shade. Welcome back to the second part of uh, episode three of The Wheel of Time, A Place of Safety. Here be spoilers. Uh, We are going to talk about where we are differing from the books, how we feel about it, how the internet feels about it. Um, We do call them things. Um, It's going to be reading the pattern, the weapon, the warp, the weft, and the warp. There we go. I can get that out. And Disappointed Dark Friends. Um, As we mentioned last time, is this sort of all going to be together since these three episodes dropped at the same time and all of the complaints of the internet are addressing all of them are fairly non-specific. Um, Unraveling and, them is just yeah, difficult. It, yeah. It's we, really we may get back to individual segments for these at some point, but for now it does not make any sense to do right. so. It is um, a huge, huge snarl in the yes. world. Um, and, and we're pretty good about dealing with tangles, but um, we'll do our best. So... Um, we kept talking about that off pond that we were going to address this costuming. 
We've talked about it on yes. I have been yes. teasing this for yes. episode after episode uh, at this point. We really want to hear about this. So, and we did in, in we, the reason I'm going to address it here is that we also, um, you know, talked a little bit about some costume related things in the first part of this episode. Yeah. And I'm going to keep, I have, I have many, many thoughts on this, but I'm going to focus on just a couple for now because I think we might have other opportunities to talk about, about more later. Um, I want to start with a sort of overall on the costumes first, like how I feel about them just sort of mm-hmm. generally. Again, I talked on the the trailer, one of the trailer pods we did, specifically comparing them, what we saw in the trailer to Game of Thrones specifically. Right. I right. will probably yeah, yeah. continue to do that as we do this because that is... It's a touchstone. It's also the gold standard of costuming in fantasy worlds at right. this point. I mean, you simply cannot touch what they have done um, with the process and the amount of just sheer labor that was right. put into right. that. Um, so I, like, overall, I give the costumes, like, a C-. Um, they're not, like... Low seven, seven Yeah, they're not, like, so bad that I find it unwatchable. Um, and in fact, I find them mostly inoffensive, um, until I start actually looking at them. So they don't necessarily draw me out of the story unless I am saying, I'm going to put my costume hat on and, and look at them. Um, the, what, the couple of things... Particularly, I will say, particularly with our main four, um, because that is who I've been focusing on most at this point. Uh, we talked a little bit about Leanne's costume earlier and what that may or may not be doing later yeah. in the series. Uh, Moraine's costume I have some issues with, but we might get to that later too. But the main four are the ones who are really, really rubbing me the wrong way. Um, and it's there are two main things about them that really get me. One, it is incredibly apparent that they are machine zone. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And I I am not gonna I am not one of those people who is like, well to be accurate we have to do the hand so like I really honestly but these don't are care key about that. characters. They're key characters and when it's when it's so obvious that they are machine zone, like that's really difficult. And and the way I can I can tell in these costumes is that there are there are very straight lines. Um, there are pressed lines, particularly around the collar. Oh, um, sure, yeah. There are some things where you can actually like kind of see where the seam has been pressed up against the fabric again. Like there are just some things. Some of the gathers are like way too regular to have been hand sewn. Mm-hmm. Right. There are details like that that. Again, I don't care if the costumes are machine sewn, but there are, I think that there are, because a lot of shows machine sew their costumes, I think there are ways to make them not look quite so machine sewn. Mm-hmm. And I also think that that's one of the things, because they are so pressed in certain places, uh, it, I think it's also one of the reasons that I have complaints about our main four looking cleaner than they should, because they also don't look as rumpled as they should. They really should. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the, one of the things... Specifically, I want to zero in on the that we have three coats that are driving me bonkers. You don't like the sheepskin coat? <laughs> the sheepskin coat is, like, A, those patches are very regular. Um, yeah. the, the she- and, and this is um, Rand's sheepskin coat. Yes. I am not convinced that that is real sheepskin. Um, I don't think so don't because think like there that. should be softer areas where you know along the elbows along yeah. the flanks where the skin is softer and thinner and you don't see those irregularities yeah. in that pattern. It, it's like he's never worn this before. It, it like, looks brand new. Absolutely, it no, looks yeah. brand new. I mean, it, like the um, the wool yeah. that's supposed to be inside it look looks super puffy and brand yeah. new. Like th- this was a a bell time present. 
Yes. It is the only explanation. Only for explanation. Story. But then even after he's like swum through the river to get... It, like, it, it is, doesn't look wet. It doesn't yeah. look... So that that has bothered me. Um, Egwene's coat looks like it came off the rack from Coles. <laughs> like, I don't know, the, the way that... And this is another machine yeah. sewing thing. The way the lining and the actual coat meet, the patterning is, is very weird. The shape that... like. I, I am all for costume like I'm not I, I've said this before but I'm not trying to be like the costuming has to be some sort of like medieval period specific right. they can take liberties with that I like when they take liberties with that because then we don't get into the sort of like fake half price renaissance fair stuff but this looked like literally like it came off the rack from somewhere yeah. um, and this is the kind of plaid coat that she has been right. wearing not real great with that i will say go ahead well i love her belt like that is like the highlight like i absolutely love her belt and i think it really just Mm -hmm. like i want that belt (laughs) (laughs) well maybe you can get it i'm super (laughs) jealous i was gonna say no it is cool it is cool for for the only male in this part of the podcast i couldn't have told you that she had a belt so (laughs) (laughs) uh, see see how much i actually pay attention like some of the things like when they're called out but otherwise um like when I was putting together my costume, I was like, oh, I need her belt. I don't yeah, have oh, her yeah. belt. I have yeah. a big black wide belt mm-hmm. that worked fine, but like, it's different. it could be a Gwen's yeah. leather belt. Um, and so, so the oh, other thing that, that I'm sort of curious to see what happens is there's going to be so many characters in so many costumes in the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I don't really know what order this was shot in and like, where they decided to spend their money. Yeah. Well, and that's, like, I have theories about the costuming, too, but I did want to get to the third coat that really that yeah. really oh, bothers yeah. me, um, and that is matte, which is more like a sweater than a coat, really, <laughs> yeah. at this yeah. point. It, he really leaning into the sort of dirty hipster of the medieval period <laughs> vibe going on. Yeah, right there. But, which, that doesn't bother me, as we have been talking about, but what is, what is I cannot unsee now is that the main body of this jacket sweater thing is a woven material mm-hmm. and the collar and the cuffs are knit. Mm. Um, and it's not like you can't do that. You can buy things off the rack right now that, that do that. That's a, like very difficult to sew together. Yeah. Um, certainly difficult to hand sew together. And just like not, do. not you something just somebody would thing. Like, do. It's, and, and again, yeah. I, I don't want to come off as a stodgy, like we have to do sort of historically accurate costuming for a fantasy series that is historically accurate to nothing in the first place. It just doesn't make yeah. just, just make sense, sense in the world. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so those are the biggest things I'm seeing. Again, I, I actually think that they do better jobs with the costuming of a lot of the like one-off characters and extras because they're yeah. not trying to make them so different. Well, yeah, and Which is super frustrating in many ways because... In the books, they talk about sturdy Two Rivers clothing. Good yeah. Two Rivers wool. Good Two yeah. Rivers boots was like a huge, like yep. so many things that yep. were like, con- like constant in a way that ended up being annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you don't miss the tobacco. <laughs> I, I mean, they did have the tobacco in and the Two Rivers itself. Maybe that'll get referenced uh, we'll see. later. But I, like the shawl. Be not really being a thing like that that was a big thing especially in the women's circle so i think that these are departures that are weird departures i mean yeah. like maybe with matt being a bit more destitute and 
I guess maybe that's what they're trying to show with Ren's sheepskin coat, but like it that doesn't look like it's they're just no, and they're just they're just weird. I think is is yeah. my biggest thing, and kind of to your point, and also like against exactly what Tom Marilyn said, their clothes do not seem to signify that they come from the same place at all. Right. There is not a there's look not a happening mm-hmm. here. I think everything's supposed to be kind of brown. That, that's the sense that I get from the yeah. books. That yeah. everything is supposed to be like very dark, like medium dark mm-hmm. leather heavy, a lot of brown yarn. Probably like wool. good quality like wool. Yeah, I'm sure we have a yeah. lot of wool going on. Um, probably Not some like bright dyes that are no. ever going to get into the wool. So. Muddy kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I So like I said, I mean, there have been things that we talked in, in earlier episodes. Like I think the white cloak, the way they've done that is really cool. Um, I don't mind the like machine sewing and stuff on that because they are very put together, very precise. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. I just, there are some, what I'm hoping, this is my theory about it. What I'm hoping is that for this first season, particularly, they had to, the showrunners had to decide where they were going. It's a very expensive show to put together. They had to make choices on where they were going to put their money. They have done a lot of really cool things with effects and the drone shots and the landscapes and all kinds of other stuff. The camera people went went in like we you know this is our budget. You yeah. Know, the costuming went in like you know we want a little bit more extra and they're just like we got to do the drone shots and, and then they went off to Coles. Yeah. yeah. Like I think that that I, I what I'm hoping is that you know they have enough juice going forward to up the costuming budget. Yeah. Um, like I said, not enough to take me out of the story, but I have been harboring, thank you for giving me this platform, I have been harboring Absolutely. these complaints deep within my soul for the last I got episodes, to air so. my grievances mm-hmm. about the horses, so here we go. Yeah, and so I will say you probably are channeling some of Moraine because as soon as she gets the chance, she changes everybody's wardrobe. Yes, so, yes, I, ju- I did uh, just get to the, that point. <laughs> yep. It's like, burn it all. Yes. Like, we are done Bur- Burn this. it yep. all. Yes, that, that is, she is speaking straight to my heart. <laughs> so there is one, I, I did actually have a costuming thing for this episode that I liked. I don't mm-hmm. actually know if it was purposeful, mm-hmm. but I like is that Nynaeve, when she changes and she comes back, right. um, she has a yellow dress on. Yes. Underneath the green overcoat. Uh-huh. But that, to me, is a nice little, in the books, eventually mm-hmm. she will be a yellow okay that makes sense and i was actually going to do just because i've just gotten to this point in the second book too there is an interesting callback although i question the costume change to go on her quest nevertheless when she puts on her green coat the embroidery while it is not it it is not fancy um it is uh like snowdrop flowers which is what she is given for the feast at the beginning of the second um of the second book so i thought that was I, I did appreciate that, and I was actually glad that I had gotten there in the second book to yeah. like be, be able to like that. I also just like that coat, too. And, and so one of the things that I like that Lee was picking up on is the uh, Borderlanders and Shinarians. And, I mean, it gets a little complicated because Ren's Malkari, and they don't really exist anymore, but, like... Land. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Land is it's Malkari. Hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, land, right, yeah. right that they do have that top knot mm-hmm. and they do have like what is very Japanese yeah. dress. And so um, I like that they did that. We did get that briefly in the teaser. Um, I I think that it's interesting where they're going that Lan is 
that the actor who plays Lan is mm-hmm. Asian, but not all the Shinarians mm-hmm. are. But like, we understand that everything is a mix, and I think that they're really leaning into the breaking of the world just scattered everybody. And that's Which, something that I think is cool. Yeah, I think that the only... Sorry to cut in, Brie. I just yeah, wanted yeah. to... But I think that the only thing that Lee is kind of... Was questioning here is simply because Lan is the only representative we have at this point. He, The actor who plays him does happen to be of Asian descent. And we happen to have the sort of Japanese yeah. inspired. And so it, I think it is a legitimate question of like... For sure. Is this right. racist or are we getting something else later? Which so, I think is fair. I will yeah. say that we did see... Um, some people of Asian descent mm-hmm. in the mining town. Yes, yeah. I just I think that it's not yeah. that it's just Which then that I was because like, land is this. That's yeah, very right, like, you know California building the railway. Yeah, I do really did feel have that whole like, whole Ooh. thing to it, right? Um, I mean, and and I know we will get more um, actors and actresses that are Asian. I mm-hmm. think they uh, yes. men is going mm-hmm. to be, um, and so you know we'll we'll get there. Yeah, um, it just you know. In, in terms I get the point. of uh, things that, that Lee did pick up, and, and it surprised me a little bit because he did make a big deal of Ayla having red hair mm-hmm. and then just like. Completely ignored Rand. Yeah. It was but I think that he would like to ignore Rand completely. <laughs> most of the anyway. time. I, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I get Up into that. like, you know, somewhere in book two, Which, maybe. Uh, I, I, I think they're going to have to do a little bit of work on Rand. Yeah. Because. Yeah. I'm a little bit concerned that people are going to be like, oh, he's the Dragon Reborn? Oh, yeah. I really I, don't like, like if him. I, if I put myself in the, in, at this moment, in kind of Lee's position, yeah. I don't, I'm not super Because he into, has to be likable before yeah. he becomes Darth Rand. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that some of the humor that, that we're getting, that they basically yes. took away from that yeah. and gave to yeah. Rand, yes. which they're, they're putting that in, is trying to make him a, a little bit more humanized, mm-hmm. a little bit more likable. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, I think that's interesting. Yeah. And so, hopefully he can serve as a foil to Matt as well. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, bring him up. And, and they seem to play well together. I will say that, um, and see where you, where you are, Sarah, on this, because we haven't talked about it yet, um, the breaking of the door. Oh, yeah. No, I thought that was because Bran was channeling. Okay. So, yeah. 100%. We're, 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 we're yeah. yeah. I just think that, like, yeah. I, I actually think that it hasn't been set up enough that Rand even might really be the Dragon Reborn, that yeah. t- that Lee had the opportunity to pick up on that. Yeah. I'm not sure I... And they didn't do anything in that scene other than talk about how much force it would take. They didn't have anything... There wasn't like, any yeah. channeling Give me the stuff. whistle or a little hint of a light or like something. So they did a little bit with the camera and I think what they didn't show as well as they could have, like the last hit that they did didn't do anything and it mm-hmm. kind of hurt him. Yeah. And then like he just busted it. Oh, I didn't, yeah, and, I didn't, and, I didn't pick up on that. When, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. so again, it, it's sort of like they, they do interesting camera plays when they, I think want to show power being wielded. Mm-hmm. So they did that with Perrin right before the tinkers are in scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. They do like a little sound and, and camera. Oh, interesting. I'll have to look out for that. I had not. Like, yes. One of our thoughts is that, that he's doing some, some old things. And, and so mm-hmm. now that we're in that scene, um, we need to talk about, I think this, this was one of the ball drops that the series has. I don't know like a better way to do it. They don't have... A uh, character that I thought was really fun, Elias um, Makara Machara, mm-hmm. who is a wolf brother who introduced, who has had history with the Tinkers, introduced them to the Tinkers, had this back and forth with them, and 
you know, were, was a mentor to Perrin and, and Egwene in the way that Tom has sort of is going to mentor Rand and Matt and did in the books. And so instead we get this horribly stilted, I thought, like, yeah, it was Aram basically stepping and being like, "Okay, you have to say this," which mm-hmm. is yeah. strange. It's yeah. it's yeah, that whole thing was weird and disappointing in a lot of ways because I think that the Tinkers are so interesting and they have so much like interesting knowledge that they drop too over the course right. of the book. Which I hope I Brie, you alluded to this in in our yeah uh, the first part of the pod like. We are obviously going to get them again next episode. Yes. I don't know how long we're going to be with them necessarily, but I I hold out Hopefully hope. Hopefully for some dances. The, I know. I need them to be like a little livelier than they yeah. were, too. They were a little sad. Well, I mean, the um, girls have some real great dances. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I hold out hope that there is going to be room in the second, in the in the next episode, right. that they will find a way, probably through Aram, to... Get which they this. do need to build that up. Yeah, they need to build up the relationship with Aram mm-hmm. because that is an important long term thing for the books. Mm-hmm. So okay. he does have to become mm-hmm. part of their team. Yeah, Aram and Perrin mm-hmm. hook up, hook up, like come together. Sure. Not, not, hook up. We're not, this not the biblical. I'll, I'll start chipping that immediately. That's fine. <laughs> um, come together again okay. uh, a lot later in the books. And mm-hmm. the other thing that I want to say is. The way of the leaf mm-hmm. that that the tinker is ascribed to. Yes. So this is a nonviolent uh, way of life is so important to the books. So mm-hmm. so you haven't quite got there, but no, but you can tell books, from it, it, their it's a through track. Yeah. It yeah. is uh, basically the 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 underpinning of like half of the people of the book mm-hmm. of like how they interact with the world mm-hmm. and it's just incredibly important and that they yeah. haven't dealt with that yet is interesting. I, I, I think we'll get there because it yeah. is super important. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be next episode. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's very cool because like the Ail and the Tuathanon, they they come from the same source. Mm-hmm. And so, and how those people have divided and developed over that time is super, super cool. And it's also super critical to what we see with Thail mm. um, once they're going through Rudine and all of that. So okay. so I do think that this is something that will come in and we just have to wait for it. Yeah, that makes um, sense. I did think it was a little bit weird that Perrin and Egwene didn't know who the Tinkers are, like what what the Tinkers represent, which is not the same as in the books. No, although I it was a little unclear to me in that... It, it was unclear to me in that interaction. I kind of felt like by the time they threw out the word Tinker, as opposed to... I'm like, oh, they, okay, but like... Yeah. There was but, still a lot of confused yeah. looks. In the books, they... People in Two Rivers had had stuff prepared yes. by the Tinkers. Yes, so, that so, was a clear yeah, relationship there. They're, yeah. they're people that are well-known in the world because they are travelers. They yeah. travel all over the place yeah. and all the time. And so that was um, our disappointed dark yeah. friends. Uh, I think that's... I think that's... Like, this is fair. a departure yeah. that... The whole interaction with the Tinkers so far mm-hmm. is a departure that I really don't like. Yeah. Well, and one of the things... Um, I, I completely agree with that because I think there's such an interesting... Um, which is like an interesting group and the the way of the leaf and all of that like we've talked about but i also think uh, my generous reading is that they cut a lot of that from this episode i'm hoping they do it in the next episode yeah because there was so much else going on and they had you know we are in the limited time in the three 
the whole, we have three groups of people we actually have to follow. Uh, okay, fine. But I do think that they really missed an opportunity here with the introduction of Tom Marilyn as a Gleeman with the sort of power of the song, right? Mm -hmm. To also use that as a parallel, especially if they're not going to have like a specific shepherd for um, Egwene and Perrin. Yeah. To use that as a parallel to at least talk about what the Tinker's whole deal right. is, right? Yeah. To talk about the one song, um, to you bleed into from one scene to another, right? You could have <laughs> at least had the introduction of Tom Marilyn as a Gleeman do some of the heavy lifting to at least get to what what are we sure. even talking about with what the one, one and song the is. Songs are so very important yes. to all of these people, which yes. we've gotten a little bit of that. Right. So hopefully that continues. Yeah. A very drunk bar quieted down for the shortest song of all time. Yes. So. Kind of very half-assed song. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it, but I also think that that is because I am half in love with this yeah. actor in the first place. I so don't I think blame I'm, you. I'm giving, I'm giving him a lot of leeway on this I, whole thing. I think that they're, they're, that they're putting songs in and they're sort of making them kind of minimal. Mm -hmm. I hope that they go a little bit farther. You have to get the like, Jack of Shadows. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that is, there are, there are a number of important songs that come through later in the books that, that mm -hmm. I think hopefully will we'll make themselves it. known. That will be a nice thing that if the, the actor that replaces Matt is a better singer because he that does be do great. a lot of singing, oh, interesting. Uh, that, okay. that'll be a, a big improvement. Yeah. Um, all right. So speaking of Aiel and, and songs, I guess, um, but going back to with Matt raiding the body, yeah. mm -hmm. I think this is something that I wanted to bring up because I think it's super cool. I have no idea if this is actually how it's meant. So he takes two things, right? So he takes a stone dog, mm -hmm. which is one of the clans or okay. uh, subsets of Aiel, we'll say. Mm -hmm. um, and then he takes the gold, or sorry, the pink crystal mm -hmm. that is encased in gold wrapping. Yeah, there's a gold wire around it. Yes. So that specific imagery is very, very similar to um, a thing called a, a course. Suva, I'm gonna really Chris butcher it because yeah, it's like it's in the old tongue and like mm -hmm. I don't know. And okay. it anyway. comes in way later in the books. So. And okay. it's basically a way to trap somebody's soul, oh, like a channeler's soul, oh. particularly I think. Okay, but, so it's a horcrux. Yeah, basically, <laughs> and you use the person's like saliva or blood or something okay. anyway, yeah. and so they. Whoever owns that thing mm -hmm. owns that person oh, okay. deeply, yeah, like yeah, yeah. to the to the That's very it, heart yeah. of them. And so I have no idea. Like it, it makes zero sense mm -hmm. that an Aiel, particularly a man, would be carrying around a Corsava. Mm -hmm. But it's it was it was a like an immediate like oh mm -hmm. oh this looks like mm -hmm. yeah hmm. no idea that'd be cool. really interesting. Yeah. Um, so. We're going back and forth a lot. That's going back to the thing that we started with. How did you feel about Tom's cloak? Oh, um, Tom's cloak. I would like to see it again, but if I did note, I did note that it does have the patchwork on the inside, yeah. which I really appreciated. Okay. Um, that because it seems like, if I'm remembering correctly from the books, he actually kind of flips it inside out, whether he he's like mm -hmm. trying yeah. to. Um, blend in or, blend or yeah yeah um advertise himself as, right. as a gleeman i did notice that it was patched on the inside i was very excited that actually would be super that. cool if he actually does that i hope he at does some, at yeah. some point i hope he does at some point um but i was glad to see that it was was patched mm -hmm. um interesting that even like while he well i guess he didn't have his cloak on while he was in the bar 
Yeah, I he, think did. he threw he it did. on like after he was okay. done playing, and that or no, he's the he's wearing it because when he sits down, he oh, flips oh, he the it out, coat yeah, out, yeah. and you see it. Just interesting to me that he wasn't wearing it as a gleam. Like if he is going to flip right. it at some point, I don't yeah. know that they will. Yeah, but I did like that they kept it was an appreciative kept that in yeah. there. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Just means you have to look under everybody's coats and be like, are "You gleaming? How about you?" I'll look under yeah. his cloak any day. Um, Woo. So All right, spicy Sarah. Dark friends. <laughs> yeah. What I read the most, and I think everybody here is in agreement. We're a little bit sad that the actress that plays Dana is a one-off. Um, I think she did a really great job. She really stole the episode. Mm-hmm. I think in many mm-hmm. ways. Um, most interesting character mm-hmm. line of the episode, sort of all those things. Yeah. Um, I think for the most part, and this isn't disappointing dark friends per se, but like a lot of people are feeling like here's where we're hitting our stride. Like the first episode was the roughest and, and here like we're getting more comfortable into what we're doing. Is there anything that you read? I mean, no, I, um, I didn't read anything specific that I wanted to bring up for this episode. I feel like for me as a viewer, as well as for my like intaking of, disappointed dark friends on the internet it all kind of ended up glomming together for me because of these first three episodes dropping at the same time so I kind of reached a threshold and didn't get down further into nuances for this this episode particularly but I do think you know even talking to Lee as someone who has not read the read the books but like this is far and away his favorite episode of the three like it's really settling yeah really Uh, settling which and trusting to build yeah. I'm so yeah. excited that he picked up on like, whoa, Maureen's not the leader here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's going to be some internal mm-hmm. politics. And it's like, oh, buddy, just... You don't even know. Just you wait. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it's a great thing for him to pick up on. I'm glad that he has picked up on yeah. that. But I also like that he's picked up on that because I know that that infighting and politics about things is his favorite thing in, well, there you go. A given, in any sort of narrative. Mm-hmm. So like that he's picked up on that great, but also like... I think he must yeah, be personal, looking forward yeah. to yeah. it, which is right. good. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else we want to bring up? I mean, I have more things, but I think we're I think we're good. I think one comment we do actually get our first independent confirmation of what Moraine has told our our uh, two, two rivers, rivers folks, <laughs> um, like independent confirmation that she thinks that they're the Dragon Reborn. Somebody mm-hmm. else thinks that too. Because mm. now Dana has said, I yeah. see you guys in my dreams. Yes. So right. I think that's yes. a really key yep. point yeah, yeah, yeah. is that Maureen, I mean, we know she can't lie, but right. like they don't actually know she if anything that they've said. Yeah. Yes. And so now like if if I was Rand or Matt, like that would be something that yeah. I'd be like, oh, this is like kicking it into high gear. Yeah. This is really a thing. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I do like I feel like. The, in that scene, like, they had all kinds of reasons to look at her weird because, like, right. that was batshit crazy. But I do feel like I remember a sort of flicker of recognition from both of them when she right. said that, which was different from... Yeah. The what the fuck. Yeah. Oh, one one more thing, and then I think I'm done. So when Tom Marilyn is singing his little song, which is specifically about the Lord of the Morning, mm-hmm. there is a cool scene, and I think... I hope this is why they did it, but you they focus in on Rand, and in Rand's eyes, he has a little, like, moistness, a little mm, bit of tears. And it's about, you know, the, the, sto- the, the story, the song is about this man that can't forget. Like, he mm-hmm. wants to forget, but he can't. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that's a little bit of Luz Theron starting to leak in yeah. and being like, yeah, that's right, I can't forget, and this really sucks. I don't know. Yep. 
Yeah. Have to say. But may you always find water and shade. Yeah.